Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Recorded live. On her way to work one morning, down the path alongside the lake. A hearted woman saw a poor half his pretty colored skin had been all frosted with a dew. Oh, well, she cried, I'll take you in and I'll take care of you. Take me in, oh, tender woman. Take me in for heaven's sake. Take me in, tender woman. Well, they are. Now, see, back in the old days, the 60s or whenever that was, we used to sing that song. So most of the people that were alive back then remember that song. 
Take me in, O oh, tender woman. Take me in, for heaven's sake. Take me in, tender woman. <laughs> Smile, the snake. Oh, yes. Some of us have fallen victim to some of that stuff, too, over time, especially people that were raised in an area like I was where we took care of everybody. We had those things happen, but they were so rare that we didn't really put much stock in it. And as far as I'm concerned, here I am in my 60s, never thought I would run into some of the people I've run into in the past 10 years that are, I mean, I don't know what else you call it, but evil. It's evil. It's evil to take advantage of people who have good hearts, but there there are people around that are perfectly willing to do it. They have no um, conscience. They have no remorse. Um, Whatever is expedient is fine with them. And I believe that's a lot of what's wrong right now in the country. People just don't, they don't get it. And I think, I don't know if it's something that's changing. I've talked about this other night. I don't know if it's something changing in our environment, our genetics, you know, similar to what I say is like a caterpillar changing to a butterfly. I don't know what it is, but very good people in the past have like turned into something else. It's like a metamorphosis in a way. And um, I'll tell you, I didn't grow up believing in evil forces in the world whatsoever. I felt that people were good, basically, and that they just needed more love, and that's it. So, you know, you can give love and give love and give love, and if it doesn't come back to you, you know, eventually you you get really exhausted. I won't say you run out of it, but it's just not quite the same. So it's pretty sad. Um Last week, I had a chance to go do something fun, I said. And it was kind of true. I mean, I thought I was going to go do something fun, but I didn't feel well after all that and ended up not doing much of anything. Um, It wasn't a wild party night like some people thought. You know, hey, St. Patrick's Day, she's going out and, you know, raise the roof somewhere. No, that didn't happen either. Um, I'm getting a little bit too too serious for that kind of stuff these days. Um, But, no, we had a fairly quiet evening, and I just rested. I was really tired. So back this week, um, what I've been thinking about a lot and what I've put a lot of time into this week, um, planning, thinking about things um, in generalities more than the political structure at this time, although um, I think everything affects everything else. But I I had said to a couple of people last week that I plan to concentrate a little bit more on this baby boomer issue because... um, we had a caller into the show, what, two or three uh, episodes back. It wasn't last week, so it would have been two weeks previous to that, I believe. Someone called in, and they were um, accusing, basically, baby boomers of ruining life. Um, and I've heard it since. So I think this is something that's going to start showing up more and more. I've seen it. I don't know if it's because I'm now noticing it more, um, because I've had some estrangement in my family, I've had um, friends who say bizarre things, and I'm like, what does that mean? You know, because I have friends of all ages, so it's like I'm not quite getting where people are coming from all the time, and I used to always be really good at it. Um, and and I'm seeing things in the media and people discussing things that relate to generational conflict now, not just political parties, not just races, not just religions, but now we're getting into generational conflict. And it's, you know, it's somewhat alarming when you get into your 60s and you realize that uh, these attitudes are there, which 
they're either going to kill us off or they're going to abandon us, and we're going to just be left somewhere in a barn or something. I don't know. But we need to be thinking about this stuff. I don't think we're going to have a whole lot of support from the uh, population as we were kind of led to believe because of previous history. Most of us, you know, we grew up in families that were extended, and uh, there was always somebody around who would take care of people, and I don't think that's going to be happening. So we need to think about that. Okay, I forgot to say it's March 24th, 2016. It's now 7.39 p.m. because I started with a song tonight. I'm up in Bangor, Maine, which is up in the, if you hold a map of the United States, and we're up in the right-hand side, up in the corner, um, and we are in a unique location. We have also very unique uh, factors here in, in the state of Maine that seem to impact on every aspect of life. And so one of the reasons that I do this show is because I like to talk about those things and how um, I can see the international picture or different types of, you know, like the political arena or the education arena um, regulations, you know, all kinds of things, how they impact the state of Maine. And because I live in Maine and there's 1,300,000 people, some of them I know, <laughs> some of them because of my associations and the work I've done in my life, I um, have insights that go a little bit deeper than just surface. And I have ways to find out things because I was a librarian. And once you're a librarian, you're always a librarian. So I know how to find out stuff too. Anyway, so um, what happened this past week, and I think it was around the time that it was almost time for the show, and I thought I need to do something about this. I think that's why I had baby boomer um, issues in my mind, was because someone had put on their Facebook page something about it's starting to look like 1968 again. That was posted by somebody who is very politically active in the state of Maine. It's somebody who most politically active people would recognize their name because they're somebody who speaks, who um, you know publishes things, does that kind of stuff. So it's somebody who a lot of people subscribe to their Facebook and read their articles or blogs or whatever. And they said on their Facebook, it's starting to look like 1968 again. And the conversation that ensued on the Facebook after that was, somewhat eye-opening. I said, it's nothing like 1968, because I was alive then. I was a junior in high school in 1968. Some people here may have been older than that, but I remember the times quite well. Um, I was in an um, accelerated high school class. We studied a lot on current events. We knew all of the world leaders. We knew everything about the country's geography. Um, just global issues and things like that because I believe they were getting us ready for what was coming, which was you would need leadership leadership to take this agenda forward. And so they watched everybody who was achieving in school and kind of pushed them along. But anyway, so we knew a lot about what was going on. We would have known all the political figures of the day, um, every issue that was going on, the riots, um, <laughs> where all these ideas ideas came from. It was almost like a college class. So I would not equate today's events, or two weeks ago now, a week and a half ago's events, which I don't even know what it was referring to, actually. It may have been uh, the uh, Chicago planned protesting against 
Trump. It may have been related to that. I can't remember now exactly the timing. But anyway, I said, it's nothing like it. And there were some other people who came in and said, it's nothing like it to this guy. Now, I'm trying to think about how old he is. I think he may be late 30s, early 40s. I'm not sure. Um, he's in the in the category of people who have young children at home, but is kind of, you know, really active, busy, connected, etc. So I'm going to tell you what he wrote back to me regarding some other comment. I don't even remember what the comment was now because it's been a while ago. Let's see if I have the previous comment to what he said to me. Um, no, I don't have it. But he said something about the boomers, apparently, because I responded and said, what about the boomers, right? This I keep hearing this, it's not fair, or something similar to that, because that's what I usually do. I defend, I say, what you're hearing about the boomers is not even correct. You have misconceptions. Let's clear some of those up. But anyway, this is what I got back. I was really stunned, actually, because I, I respect this person, highly respect this person as a family man, um, as a uh, person of uh, balanced discourse, usually has a great deal of respect even for people who aren't giving him any. He's just somebody I would love to see as a as a representative of some kind, as a leader rather than a writer and a political, basically what they call a political operative type of person um, who came back to Maine from Washington, D.C. area. He was down there working with uh, Republican party um, work, like the Governor's Association, the Republican Governor's Association and that kind of thing. Okay, this is what he said. Baby boomers were a reckless, irresponsible, feckless, egotistical, self-centered generation who are responsible for tearing this country apart in the 60s and 70s and then ruining it once they got into power. Boomers are the ones that took the legacy built by the World War II generation and squandered it. They gave us paralysis, bitter politics, the $19 trillion in debt, and replaced leadership with the establishment we all hate so much. There is a reason the boomers are the most universally loathed generation alive today. I am a young Xer. And it was Xers who gave us the technological revolution we live with today. The reason we are all so cynical as a generation is because our collective parents, the boomers, screwed this country up so much for us. Well, I was like, okay. So apparently um, there's a lot of vitriol there. There's a lot. I think what I had said previous to the part about how they gave us the Xers have brought the technological revolution. That's what he's saying. And I think what I had said previous to that was all the things that the baby boomers had done and that I felt that it was wrong for for us to get attacked all the time. It was a very interesting conversation. Let's see if I have some more of it saved. Um, okay, here's somebody else's comment. I... This was about 1968 all over again. Some, one, a man said, I don't know this person, 
I also disagree. In 68, the majority of the country was on the side of the communists. Currently, most of the population is not on the side of the communists. Move on, Sanders, etc. The silent majority hasn't been able to say anything because of this. And then it said, see more. And of course, when I copied and pasted, I didn't get all of it because I didn't think to open that. And the original poster said, I think you're missing the analogy. And the other guy says, oh, I see, the Democratic Convention. And he says, and, and then the original poster says, and do you want to tell me how you figure that most of the people are anywhere with or against the communists? Donald has been commanding 35% of a party that represents about 30 to 35% of the country. Bernie is getting 40 to 50% of a party that represents about 35 to 40% of the country. Not sure where you're drawing your conclusion from outside of relating more to one or the other. Um, and the other guy says new voters and former Dem voters. Now, these are two men that are talking about the statistics the percentages, the, um, what do you call that when you um, talk about who's, oh, I'm trying to think what it is. When somebody's more or less likely to win something, the odds, that's what I was trying to get at. That's what they're talking about. I'm talking about the general milieu, I think you'd call it, the political milieu right now. is nothing like 1968, not a bit. This is way more uh, manipulated, in my opinion, this time period that we're in right now. is being manipulated heavily by the fact that people are easily led. And I don't think people were as easily led then, although they did believe certain things that were not true. We had leaders that were lying to our face, and a lot of people didn't recognize it right off. Okay, so um, what I wrote was, I was alive then, and it wasn't like this at all. Riots were everywhere, and people weren't aware of the manipulation like they are now. Um, <clears throat> I should have said as many, because I don't think, I think most people in 1968 were either young and rebellious, or they were going along with the same routines and programs as the 50s. They had certain things they believed in. Where I lived in particular, um, there were certain things that everybody did where I lived. Um, they, you know, they owned their house. They took care of their house. They paid their taxes. They made sure their kids were fine at school. They bought a car every other year, so they'd have a new car all the time. They kept the gas tank full in case there was an emergency and they had to go somewhere. There were certain things they did. They grocery shopped on Saturday mornings, and they shopped in the other stores on Friday nights until late, usually after they got paid. People went out and shopped. There were people everywhere. They were in downtown areas. They were at the movies. They were out to eat. Um, life was very different. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know if you're an older person, but some of the younger people have no idea what it was like back then. And we had some people asking occasionally in the last few weeks, what was it like in the 50s growing up? What was it like in the 60s growing up? Because some of the people that are in their 20s are interested. They want to know if the shows and the movies and things they've seen are anything like reality because it's so different from now. They can see the difference. And people that I know have been telling them, yes, it was a lot like that. It wasn't exactly like that, but people, for the most part, 
tried to be like they tried to be like that middle class family where everyone sat down at the table together, everybody washed their hands, they were clean. They might say a prayer before their meal and then they ate together and they talked about the news of the day and how everyone was. And then they would split up and go do their own thing. So they weren't really in each other's hair all the time. But we had a lot more freedom too when we were out playing and things like that. So our life was quite different. Um and then um, I answered to the other person, too. I said, we weren't even aware we were on the side of the communists. We merely knew we were anti-establishment. So it was like, we're not going to do things the way you do them. Um, we have a better way to do it. We can take care of people. We can love people. We don't have to have wars, that kind of thing. I remember it very well because by the time we all went to college, we were trying to put these things into action. Um, in my particular case, my boyfriend, fiance, and later my husband, within a year or so, had planned to go into the Peace Corps. The draft was active back then. Um, people were very afraid of being drafted to go to Vietnam. It was very true that young men were taken over there and dropped off in the jungles to be killed, basically just slaughtered. They had not enough training. They had not enough background. They were scared to death, and they were dropped off. And... I knew this firsthand because I had friends that were dropped off over there when they were just young, and they were drafted. They were just useful. That was it. They were disposable, useful human beings. It was disgusting. Um, so as far as being communist, um, we had the idea, the people that I knew, that you could share your living space, you could share your food, you could share your friends, some people even slept with other people. I wasn't quite that loose, but there were people who were. Whoever they were with, that's, it was just exactly like the song, Love the One You're With. People would jump into a van and travel across the country if they felt like it. They worked at various jobs to you know, support that. And then in the, the wintertime, they went to college or you know, they had other things to do. They were building on what they thought was going to be a very beautiful future after things were changed and not so um, warmongering, um, <laughs> uptight, warmongering society. Even though we had a generalized idea that we were fighting against something called communism in other countries, the spread of communism, that's what they were telling us at the time. Okay, here's another one. So I told the original poster, if I misread the analogy, I apologize. I remember 1968 as a very volatile time with too much senseless violence. Um, and he did not answer back to me right then. Um, and then he spoke to the other person. He said, new voters, former Dem voters, you're talking about fractions of a percent changes to the numbers I listed. People constantly mistake the loud minority as representative of everyone, and it never is. See, they were still on the statistical stuff, the, what I would call the left brain um, analysis of a situation, which is all, I call it computerization. You have to be able to get those statistics, put those numbers in a computer, and that's supposed to make sense to everybody. And I'm talking about the milieu, the social um, context that we're in. Someone else said, another guy, Lord, I hope not, but I think you're correct. Talking to the original poster. 
and then another person says, you mean we end up with Nixon again? Cruz is a reasonable facsimile. The original poster says, everything is the opposite this time. Republican civil war between party establishment and insurgents. Riots at the convention. Division likely empowering a corrupt hack and one-time presidential loser to win the presidency. And then said something about, I think Hillary is, and then it was one of those Seymour again, which I forgot to get, sorry. Um, Hillary equals Dick. This was another one of the other people. Brilliant. I feel a column coming on. And then somebody said, how dare you compare her to one of the great presidents. And the original poster said it's such a good parallel. Awkward campaigners who fail to connect with people. Technocrats, widely hated, ideologically incoherent as a means to win elections. Corrupt political machine. It's spooky. See, I'm seeing this as these people aren't getting it because they don't, they're not seeing the depth. They're only seeing the shallow part. They're seeing the very surface of what's going on. And is that education? Because some of these people are extremely intelligent and well-read, but they're not getting it still. So my thought is that we need to do more about being proactive about educating people, if possible. It may not be possible, but if it is, that what they believe of the baby boomers of the 60s, 70s, 80s, even going back further, because some of the things do. I mean, it depends on which, which issue you're talking about. But to educate them so that they understand that there's way more to it than they are, they're seeing, they're not seeing deep enough. Um, and it is deep, as we know. The rabbit hole goes very deep. Um, I said back to the original poster, generational misconception of what it was like back then. Ask baby boomers you trust about the time for context of what you have surmised. And he says, I'm not talking about war protests and racial violence. I'm talking about the political volatility, increasing tension, potential for political violence, establishment versus insurgent party civil war, and the empowerment of a flawed, corrupt politician, Nixon, Clinton, due to the division. And I said, well, political power arises to fill a vacuum. People have no one to follow at the moment. Whether or not Trump is who he says he is will be the pertinent factor. The others are not leaders at all. They are followers of the party line or the directives of the major money sources. That is what I see. And um, somebody else talking about Nixon again. Overly harsh assessment. Nixon was an outstanding president. Hillary would be a disaster. Um, Another person, somebody that I actually had as a student once, I told you it's not that big of a state, so we know people. This is somebody I remember as a student. He's probably now around 40. The times ahead have never been seen before. And, and another person says, that is the only 100% accurate thing anyone has posted on this thread. And the original poster says, nothing that will ever happen in human history has never been seen before. That's the point. History repeats. The names change. The me mechanisms change. But the story repeats. And another person says, oh, my God, not Madeline Murray O'Hare and her right to her views and verbiage with the Supreme Court siding with her. Wait, scratch that. That was 1963. And my former student says, I disagree. Power of politics will continue to become more decentralized this is the model of not only technology, but leadership as well. 
and one of the other people said, you never know what the future will hold because we don't know what's in store, the original poster. Funny thought that political power is becoming more decentralized after seven decades of increasing executive power and that the current populist fever is attempting to empower a man who has strong authoritarian tendencies and has talked openly about his... <sighs> see more, sorry. I can't predict the future, but human nature doesn't change, which is why history repeats. So I said back to him, some of these things are true. Re human nature and motivations for power or security or greed or compassionate aid and similar. But the thing that has changed is massive sharing of information making the official stories impossible to create and hold. These people cannot keep their scam going any longer. He says back to me, that is a dangerously wrong assumption. All the things that empower the masses also empower the powerful. Ask yourself if political mistrust is really higher today than it was after Watergate. It isn't. Ask yourself if the establishment power structure, see more. <laughs> Sorry. I put, uh, in my opinion, political mistrust is much higher today. Maybe I am jaded by the 2000 Florida election, the repeat of election fraud in Ohio against John Kerry, the Republican convention shenanigans in Florida, and now the Republican Party leadership openly turning on Republican voters. None of those things would have happened back in 1968. He says, I think that is a wonderfully one-sided, jaded view. Well, that makes me giggle. I think that's hysterically funny. I think it's funny when somebody who is like 40-ish is telling a 65-year-old that they have a one-sided, jaded view of a time period they lived in that he did not. You see what I'm saying? It's not that I think I'm smarter or anything else. It's just that from a position of experience, I find that really funny. So I giggle at that kind of thing. Um, so back to my 40-year-old former student. The problem is I have too many intelligent friends who are wasting votes on Gary Johnson. How do we move the technology-focused generation more to a party where their votes actually count? Someone else says, watching the CNN special on 1968 now, tumultuous times. I said, the context of the time is very important. Five years after our president was murdered in Dallas, many other events were co-occurring. I forgot some of these things will now um, research because of the post and go back and recall those chaotic times, which uh, was the Wikipedia article on 1968. It listed a lot of the things that happened that year. And I didn't even remember all of them. It was a hugely important year. So um, just, a, just a quick glance down through 1968 and Wikipedia, and anybody who wasn't alive at the time, and even if you were, I think you'd be very surprised to see what things happened that year and how close together they were. We spent a lot of time just getting our bearings and time for something else to happen. It was that volatile. But I was a junior in high school. I still was home. So my parents were protecting us and the family. I didn't have the same kinds of um, fears and insecurities I would have had had I been out of the house by then. I know it, it would have been different if I'd already left home by then. Um, some, another friend of his says, a one-sentence post in Matthew breaks the Internet, LOL. So it was the, the comment about 1968 all over again. 
Um, and I put up a picture on there somewhere too. Well, to get back to what I was saying, there's a there's almost a hunger for important discussions about things right now because the people that are smart know that something's wrong and that the official stories are not correct, but they're also believing some of the the stories of history, and they're not that far back in history. I mean, these are recent history. These are things that people around them actually know firsthand, and they're not listening to that. They're listening to the official stories, apparently. Because these people, I don't believe, are operating under some kind of heavy agenda. Yes, they do have an agenda towards their own party or their own friends and their own interests, because they're raising kids. Like I said, they're you know, the next generation down, they're about the age of, of most of the baby boomers' kids are around 40 now. And it's just a shock to me, the attitudes they have after all the, all the work, all the education we gave them, all the um, patting on the back. And I wasn't one of those people that said it was okay to give uh, participation awards, okay? I wasn't one of those people. I wanted my kids to excel. I made sure they had opportunities if they were interested in something. Their father and I made sure that they had the opportunity to pursue those interests. So they, you know, they did whatever they liked. If it was track, that was fine. If it was music, that was fine. Science, that was fine. Um, and all the time, um, you know, computers around, things to use to further their interests. So to have this massive generational like attack coming from these people is a shock. And it's even more of a shock to me because, like I said, I worked in schools for 20 years. Some of these people I had in school, and I know they had good education. It wasn't like they were just left to fend. They weren't. They were in everything, and they were raised to be leaders. They were raised to go out and do things with their life, no matter what it was. Yeah, they could be anything they wanted to be. So... <clears throat> Um, another comment that I copied and pasted, I think I wrote this somewhere and then decided to take it back out again. Sometimes I do that and I stick it in on this page so that I won't lose it. I had a revelation one of the days while I was reading through this stuff, and I said maybe some of the disconnect we're seeing is that the people who are now holding positions don't realize that Trump is talking about a return to America when we had respectful, honest people going about their business unmolested. It doesn't just happen. It requires laws being enforced, people exercising civility, and taking care of their own problems without government intervention. In other words, the government is not your daddy. Actually, I think I did post that somewhere in the past week or so. <clears throat> so um, that's what got me going, okay? Then this following time period, after I decided I wasn't I wasn't going to be doing a show last week, um, I open up Godlike Productions like I usually do to see if there's any breaking news or anything. What do I see in there? Um, where's the original? I want to see page one. Godlike Productions is a forum. If you're not familiar with it, that has just like I mean like millions visited every day. And they post anything they want on there, pretty much. Some things get taken down again. 
but it can be the most ridiculous stuff like, you know, I just made a peanut butter and mustard sandwich, ask me a question, you know, something stupid like that or, you know, please pray for my family, we have something happening or, or you know, something just blew up in New Orleans. <laughs> you know, they, people put breaking news on there because they want to tell people something just happened where they are. It's one of the best places for breaking news. It's also a cool place to see people just bare their souls, basically. Some of them can be anonymous. And they call their guest anonymous coward. So, And some people have screen names and regular accounts. But they go in there and they talk and they just say whatever they want. Sometimes it's obscene and sometimes it's not. Um, I always check there to see what's going on. So... I think the 23rd was the first, or it couldn't have been the 23rd, that was just yesterday. Maybe it was, because it says this is page one. Uh, the reverse mortgage, the grand finale of the narcissistic baby boomer. They're trying to turn all baby boomers into narcissists who don't care about anyone but themselves. This is not true. I know that's not true because I am one, and I know a lot for baby boomers. We're not narcissists that only care about ourselves. But that is what the generations that are younger than us are seeing. And so we need to do something about that. Unless we want to just be ditched in our old age, which may happen anyway, I think we need to start dealing with this right off the bat. This is how this thread started. It has 13 pages right now. Um, and I'll give you the link to it. I think you have to just say that you'll, you know, abide by their rules to go in because they had uh, government interference and they decided to make it a private forum so that people could uh, express themselves however they wanted to. Okay. So <clears throat> here's the here's the thing. The reverse mortgage, something that had been offered to me several times in the course of my financial difficulties of the last 10 years, um, going to landlord meetings and having people coming in and talking to us about reverse mortgages and how great they would be because you could get the money and do whatever you want with it. You can still live in your house and all these things. And people were thinking it was the greatest thing on earth. Well, it's not a, it's not really a great thing, apparently. But here's the, here's the new twist to this, okay? This thread is saying the grand finale of the narcissistic baby boomer so here's the idea they have is that this is how the parents are screwing their kids out of their inheritance. That's how they see it. Not that the parents are trying to get money to be able to keep going so that they are not a burden to their family, using their assets to live, but that they're screwing their offspring. Hell of an attitude. But once there, you can't repair that. They see that, and they see it everywhere. It's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. I can't believe you did that. Why would you leave that house and, you know, go live in an apartment or something in condo somewhere on the ocean when you're supposed to leave that house to us? Well, <clears throat> we worked since we were kids, most of us here. I don't know about where you are, but we worked from the time we were, like, 10 years old for the future and for our family. And my attitude at this point is, if we're going to be ditched in our old age, I am not going to worry about anybody else. That is something that's coming from outside. It's forces that have changed things. Um, 
my life wasn't lived just to serve my family and the bankers. And, um, you know, that may sound harsh, but, you know, I got married when I was 19 years old. And I'm now 65. And I think that's enough. I think it's enough to be, you know, scrimping on everything, uh, worried about what everybody else is doing, making sure everybody's fine when they're all fine already. They're already doing good. They're doing better than their parents were. Luckily, this particular family is. And all the crises that have occurred that have taken a toll on health and everything else, I don't, I no longer have the same attitude I had at one time about things such as estates, building estates, okay? So here's the original post. It says from Hong Kong. I don't know if it is or not, but because people can spoof where they are. So I just read a story where a bunch of kids got thrown out on the street because a baby boomer took a reverse mortgage without telling them. When the baby boomer died, the bank came and took the house. Reverse mortgages spiked 20% in 2013 as baby boomers scrambled for cash. In a nutshell, it's a specific type of home equity loan available only to people age 62 and over, which has the added benefit of not carrying any interest payments and is only due upon death or once the homeowner is no longer using it as a primary residence. As you can see, this might be viewed as an attractive cash flow option for older Americans who didn't save for retirement. That could be a lot of people, considering that Fidelity estimates 48% of baby boomers have not put away enough to retire. Parents are supposed to save up for their children, you sick, narcissistic baby boomer bastards. That's the original post. And then they put, it was the baby boomer narcissist who invented the reverse mortgage. The sickness of this generation is like the abyss. The next person says, no one owes you anything, and I'm not a boomer, just being honest. It's their house. They could do whatever they want with it, and it's not their responsibility to provide beyond death because their children couldn't get their shit together so they can survive on their own. I wouldn't want a boomer to leave me anything anyway. The last thing I want is some old effer to say how they carried me, F that. The uh, original poster says, you're gaslighting. Get a life. You act like a 13-year-old by making stupid comparisons. No one said the parent owes anyone anything. What was said is that a parent should save up for their children. They shouldn't greedily take the children's inheritance for themselves. That's narcissistic BS. No old person would be able to say they carried you after they die. That's why it's called an inheritance. Anyway, they go on and on. 13 pages of this people from other countries apparently just having at it. I mean, really having at it. Um, the thing is that this is an attitude that's being built up. Um, I don't know if the media is helping it along, but I, I said, what, I think two years ago that they want us to die and die quickly, and that is part of the reason why um, – a lot of us started getting sick younger than our grandparents did just because we've got stuff put in our, you know, vaccines and our additives and different things that they give to us in our, you know, our food or medications or whatever, I believe, to shorten our life because they knew they wouldn't have enough money. By the time we achieved uh, retirement age, they wouldn't have enough money because it was such a huge population. So they're just killing us off. Um and I used to joke about it. I'd say, don't take any adult vitamins, no senior stuff. Anything that says it's for seniors, don't take it. Go out and get some chewable Flintstone vitamins because they're not killing off the kids. 
<laughs> at least we don't think so yet. But you never know, the vaccine still. But um, it, it's like all of a sudden an all-out attack on the people that actually did help build up a lot of this stuff. It's just, it was stunning to hear that coming out of someone. Um, what have I felt that I've given to the country since I was a little kid? Let's see. I worked in the school that I went to in elementary. I helped teach. I was a school patrol, so they didn't have to pay people to do stuff. They just gave kids a certificate and a badge or whatever. I did work. I worked from the time I was probably eight at school. Um, I worked in the kitchen. I worked in the office. I helped with money. I helped with supervision. I took reading groups and taught them. Um, and then what did I do next? I babysat and stuff like that. I picked potatoes. That's what we did in northern Maine. We picked potatoes for our school clothes. So we worked there. They let school out for like a month. And we'd go work and supplement the family's money, basically, because then they wouldn't have to buy clothes for us because we did, bought our own. Um, and then I went to college. What did I do? Oh, I did stuff in high school, too. What did I do in high school? I did a lot of stuff in high school, but what actually helped the community? Um, I was the president of my youth group at church. That was a separate thing. We did some community service things there. And we did things um, in general for you know, groups like March of Dimes and collecting for scholarships and stuff, going door to door. We did a lot of that stuff. And um, then as a young adult, of course, I had my kids, and I was uh, doing some volunteering around at nursing homes and at school and at nursery school. And then I got hired and worked at school. Um, and, you know, various community projects, such as helping build playgrounds and stuff like that. When I was working at schools, I helped put the Internet in and used volunteer efforts and fundraising for a lot of that technology stuff because it wasn't in the budgets yet. No one saw the value yet, but the librarians did. So we did work on that, and that was extensive. I mean, we're talking weekends and vacations when I was not paid to do that. So um, did it out of the goodness of my heart. That was my life, you know, teaching. So buying used books, going to yard sales and buying materials and books there, running summer programs, um, you know, various things like that. There's a lot of stuff that some of us did during the course of our life that, you know, I <laughs> coincidentally at the same time I'm studying about narcissism and CPTSD, which is the, uh, you know, the prolonged effects of of um, emotional abuse, basically, and what happens. And one of the things was you need to do these three things to get the grieving out. You need to anger towards things. You need to have tears, and you need to, you know, talk about it and vent. And preferably, if you can do all three at once, that's great for your mental health. So I'm venting a little bit right now. I've been screwed, and I'm pissed off. And the reason I'm pissed off is because this was, you know, it's like saying your whole life didn't matter. Your whole life didn't make any difference. And I know it did. So, you know, screw you guys. That's what I want to say. Screw you guys. When you say shit like that, screw you.
because it's just not true. So what are we going to do about it? You know, we can continue to uh, allow people to treat us like doormats because get off the stage because we're here now. Some of the stuff I'm seeing is getting royally screwed up. They have no idea how badly they're screwing things up right now because they are like we were when we were young adults. We can do this. We've got a lot of power. There's a lot of us. We can do this. We're motivated. Everything is good. The world is your oyster, that kind of thing. And they only have about, what, 20 to 25 years, and they're going to be right where we are. They have no idea how fast that goes. Then they're going to be in the same boat. It's going to be, you know, screw you guys. You didn't do anything. All you did was play your stupid video games. So here's the thing. They can talk about green. They can talk about all of the great recycling efforts. They can talk about all that stuff, but we started it. We started it with Earth Day. We started it with recycling. And in Maine, we had our bottle bill, which was to uh, make bottles and soda cans and things like that returnable. We even have water jugs and juice cans and things like that are returnable in Maine for a deposit. And that was to keep our roadsides clean because it's vacation land. It needs to look nice. Um, I worked on that door-to-door, get people to sign for that citizen referendum. And we did get it passed, and after that, of course, we had recycling come in, too. But before that, recycling was in full effect. We needed to get these cans and bottles off the streets, so that was what we did. And that was from us. We did that part. Um, We had a lot of ideas for cleaning up the waterways and the rivers and everything, and we worked on all of those things. Make sure you don't have a garbage disposal. Make sure you have laundry detergent that is low phosphate because that's bad for the water. Um, I always tell the kids we used to have colored toilet paper. Got rid of that. There was no need to have dye on the toilet paper. You could have just white toilet paper. Now you can't buy all those pretty colors to put in your bathroom. All those things that we did, and nobody knows, we had... um, worked on the size of the population in Maine. People were having huge families because they're Catholics. Um, They had big families, and we worked on all that stuff to change attitudes about, you know, you should have a few children, two or three at the most, because that's who you can support and take care of and not increase the population of the world. And so now we have, you know, people who don't have these huge families, yet in other countries they do have huge families who are getting outnumbered, easily outnumbered now. Um, Did we know that these were all plans to lessen the impact of our particular people? No, we did not. Because the seeds for the global world were being planted. They weren't fully formed in our minds yet, but they were influencing us with these policies and with um, stories about how bad things were overseas, starving children and all that stuff. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to go in the Peace Corps, not because I'm a narcissistic narcissistic baby boomer 
only think for myself. We wanted to go in the Peace Corps because we wanted to go and improve the lot of other people in other places that were having a really hard time. And no, it never entered our mind that somebody was doing it deliberately. But they were. Pretty shocking. So, anyway, I vented. I put the emotion into it. So, basically, screw you is what I would say. But then I would tell them, it it isn't like what you think. It wasn't anything like that. The uh, documentaries leave things out. And... um, one of the other things that really showed the time, too, and we've talked about it on here before, Desert Pete and I talked about it a lot, a few nights, actually, about Laurel Canyon and about the influence that had on the uh, younger generation because um, they were putting ideas in our minds with the music and all that popular culture, too. We had, we had a very um, strong message that we should... Um, do whatever we wanted to, um, you know, that as long as it was something that we felt was a good thing to do, we should just go ahead and do it, not worry about it, um, be our own people, just, I don't know, I think that the music probably sounds like that type of idea, too, is that we put ourselves first, but it really wasn't the case. It was more like we had a lot of enthusiasm for the world. We were excited to go out and do something. So, I don't know. I I think that uh, that's probably all I want to say right now. That that thread, though, on Godlike Productions, if you get a chance to go in there and look at it, read some of those comments. They just make your hair stand on end. Okay. Um, so I think that was all of that. I know I took a long time with it, but I really wanted to because I want to start thinking about that so I'll notice it more, and I hope you do too. On this page, uh, these, the threads, there are things on here like one of them, video, hoarding is narcissism. Um, somebody who does narcissism topics, uh, I forget what her name is, I recognize her face. What is a grand finale in a narcissistic relationship, which is basically, you know, here's the big one, the big uh, surprise, nasty, negative surprise at the end of the relationship. So, hey, I died and you get nothing, you know, that kind of thing. I don't think most parents are like that. <clears throat> They're not like, you get nothing. But if you have the choice to live in a nursing home sitting in a corner in a chair while they give you shots until you die or if you have a chance to do what my father did which he had enough money put away that he lived in a private home until he died he was in a private home for two years cost a lot of money you know if my sister and I had been selfish we could have just like you know signed him into some facility and and uh let him die there sooner and helped ourselves to his money that he earned. You know, some of these people in this thread would have thought that's what you should do because otherwise you're wasting all that money. It's not waste. It's his money. He wanted to live, uh, you know, in a nice place before he died. He didn't want to live in a place where, you know, he would just be given a meal and have the television on. That's what that's what happens to a lot of our seniors because there isn't anything else that can be done. But, you know, to steal somebody's assets to do that is just, you know, to me it's wrong. 
another video, Triangulation and the Inheritance Money. It was somebody made a little video using dolls. The Narcissist Bottomless Supply Pit. There. They're all through here. All right, I'm going to close this. Go see if you guys are still even with me or if you've gone off to make supper and stuff, <laughs> if you've all left. Okay, let's see. Um, talking about races in here. And Valian's talking about a kitty taken to the alien lair. And Valium saying she had a Navy EMP attack today. Wow, you guys. Wow. The conversations are really interesting in here tonight. I'm going to have to go back and read all this later. Well, hopefully somebody was listening to all that blabbing I was doing. Okay, so number two, consent of the governed. Okay. Consent of the governed. Remember that we're supposed to be deciding whether or not we want to um, do certain things, not just have it told to us top down. It's supposed to be that we consent to it. Um, as usual, people saying that uh, nobody is doing anything, they're just allowing stuff to roll over them. I think more and more every day people are doing things, and I've been collecting some of these. And I am going to uh, play you a short one of an inspiring one that I saw this week right next door in New Hampshire. I knew about this because of Dottie, because Dottie um, put me on to this person that has been doing these shows over in New Hampshire. Um, His name is Mike Gill, and he has a YouTube channel, so you can look him up. And this was, uh, let's see, today's 24th, two days ago. It is the footage of James O'Keefe being served a criminal subpoena in New Hampshire by Dick Tracy, it says, which is funny. Um, they went to deliver pay, deliver something to the governor's office, and it's really short, but I'm going to let you listen to this so you can hear how they did it. They What they did was they took a camera and a mic, and they went in, and they videotaped this to put on YouTube. So I'm going to let you listen to this. These are people out doing things, not just talking about it, but doing things, okay? So here you go, as soon as I can get this going. Let me know if you can't hear it. Walking across the street to give the footage to the governor. Hopefully she enforces the laws of the state. Here we go. Hello. The Attorney General wanted me to give footage to him voluntarily as a journalist, so I've decided not to give the footage to the Attorney General. I've decided to give the footage to the Governor. Okay. So I'm going to give this to you, and can you deliver this to Maggie Hassan? Mm-hmm. So it's a raw footage related to our voter fraud investigation, and she can and get it to the Governor. That'd be great. And just deliver the message that she needs to actually enforce the laws here in the state, not go after the messenger. Okay. Thank I you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Sure, Keith. 
not to pay any attention to these crazy people. I mean, that's what that's how they avoid dealing with the issues. Um, number three, reminders. Uh, looking back into things, that, you know, because they're happening so fast, we keep forgetting about things that happened in the recent past. Uh, don't forget to keep up to date if you see anything about Scalia. Uh, plane crashes they're happening as you know there's some that are continuing to happen that have some questionable causes um, accidents where people's cars blow up uh, deaths of prominent people or famous people that may or may not be connected to the ruling clique cabal whatever you want to call them um, and still, um, a reminder to look at who is coming out endorsing candidates, uh, who their alignments are, like where they work and all their friends. Um, just watch what they're doing. Not what they're saying, but what they're doing, where they're traveling. Um, and a lot of times you can see what group is in operation. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're evil people because they know each other or they're working together but you get to see what they might know because of where they were or who they were working with at the time, that kind of thing, things related to a timeline. Um, I think the Apple iPhone story has kind of uh, gone to the back burner. Tim Cook was one of the people that was at the meeting to defeat Trump, if you recall, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, Trump made a speech at APAC. He was well-received from what I understand. I have not gone to find the speech and listen to it, but he was well-received there, and I think that was a surprise to everybody. They were thinking that he would get the cold shoulder, but I don't think he did. have not heard um, anything more about the Supreme Court nominee that Obama brought, you know, brought out. Um, that's somebody who we need to look into his background quite a bit, see what's going on there. Um, the Texas environmental disaster, I haven't gone back to look at that either. <laughs> that was I, just to see how things are going. Um, there's other stuff happening with the environment too that they're just not talking about, things that are you know, quite alarming. Um, that tritium leak off of the coast of Florida was one of the ones that I mentioned probably three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, and I haven't heard a thing about that either, whether it's true or not, whether it's a bad deal or not, you know, still going on, getting worse, getting better, whatever it is. Um, Bill Clinton, I saw Bill Clinton. Now, where the heck was that? I don't know if you saw this video of Bill Clinton, but he was with um, Gabby Giffords and uh, her husband, name. He's one of the astronauts there that are twins. I can't remember his name offhand. Oh, Mark Kelly. And uh, it was it was a little bit alarming seeing Bill Clinton standing behind them because he does not look like he's even in his brain anymore. Um, the comment 
that I saw was, uh, I mean, the title that I saw was Bill Clinton Appears Listless. And he really did. Let's see if I can save a better link. I have one of those, but I don't know where it goes exactly. Um, he he just he doesn't look like he's really in there. You know what I mean? Like his his brain's not really functioning. I don't know what will happen with him if he's going to just keel over one day or what. But he does not look good. Where it goes if I click on this. The AmericanMirror.com is one I found. It says Bill Clinton appears listless and disconnected during the Tucson rally. I'm trying to find a YouTube video because I think they're better. They don't have all the junk on them usually. It's a YouTube video. Okay, here it is. That for you. Just, you know, take a couple minutes and look at his face and look at his demeanor and tell me that he's even in there anymore. It doesn't look like a person that's just tired either. It looks like somebody whose brain is gone. Um, I'm going to just put Bill Clinton in Tucson. I can spell Tucson. I think this is right. Or is it this way? I can't remember how to spell Tucson. Isn't that funny? Tucson. There. Okay. Valiam's empath skills are on high right now. Wow. Good job, Valiam. look at that later and see what's up with that. Okay, let's see. I did that. What am I on now? I think I've almost got down through all of this stuff. Um, I'm going to skip over the stuff about property. We have some things going on with property in Maine again uh, regarding the public lands, um, national monument, that kind of stuff, tax-protected land and things like that. Um, the state just notified the city of Bangor that the waterfront where they've been uh, allowing waterfront concerts down there and, and uh, they have a contract where they're letting a promoter do these rock concerts in downtown Bangor. They said that the use of the land has changed and now the, the city owes the state so much money in taxes, which was a big surprise that showed up in the paper today um, because now it's a commercial enterprise. It's not just a park or something. So. We'll see what happens with that, how much money that will cost us. The Supreme Court also had a ruling about um, someone who was carrying a stun gun in her purse to defend herself against a violent partner. I don't know if it was her husband or boyfriend. And the Supreme Court upheld her right to carry that stun gun because they said it was a it was intended for defense, so they treated it as though it was a gun. That was a pretty amazing decision by the Supreme Court. I don't know if you saw that or not. Um, yeah, did you get a chance, Jameskin, to go look at the Clinton video? It was it was just alarming. I mean, it, it was almost like the Frank Sinatra thing I always say, 
when you're really good at something, like Frank Sinatra was a wonderful singer and entertainer, and you carry it too far and you allow yourself to stay out in the public eye until you deteriorate to that point, that's what people remember. They don't remember the part where you were strong and in your, you know, your prime. And Bill Clinton did a lot of things that were not good, but he had a certain um, charisma as far as the public went. They really liked him. He was extremely popular, and it's too bad to see somebody, even if they're doing their evil stuff in the background, too. Well, I say it's too bad because I always want the best for people. However, I know that it's probably supposed to be a lesson that you're not going to escape the consequences of what you, what's inside you. You need to make sure that it's not evil, that it's good stuff so that you reflect that. He just, he looks like, he looks really bad. Hillary looks tired this week. She doesn't still doesn't look scared. She just looks tired. So I don't know what's going through these people's minds. Okay, I got down through all of my notebook stuff. I read to you a lot. I talked to you a lot. Um, yes, guest 10. I saw that Sinatra Jr. died also. Um, what the heck am I looking at here? Yeah, that's the one with him. My gosh, i got a lot of windows open again. Just a minute. Close some of these so that I don't jam up everything like last week. Okay, now I'm going to go in and see what else is in here that's interesting. Saw a video that said Flight 981 had a money launderer on board. I'm just going to give you a bunch of links and not really expound on them too much. Don't know the background to any of this stuff. Don't even know if it's true. So you can go and look at it yourself if you don't already have it. And uh, Flight 981, I believe it was, Money Launderer. Well, Flight tonight, my uh, typos are going off here. Okay, Flight 981. All right. Um, and... Sorry, I'm not talking for a second. Oh, the video of that person from Breitbart, I believe it was, who said she was thrown down and she was lying. I had the video of that saved for, I think, last week. It was probably the only thing, probably the only thing I had saved from the whole week because it was just, there wasn't all that much last week. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to just stuff something in here. To, uh, I'm just going to put Breitbart Liar because I don't really remember her name. Michelle something. Let's say in my notes. Michelle Field, video of Thrown Down. Um, 
Then there was the law about H.R. 347, which apparently says that people that are under Secret Service protection cannot be protested. Hopefully you heard about that. There's a YouTube about that, but I'm not going to take the time to copy and paste that because you can find it. You probably heard about that anyway. So they could get those people that go in and disrupt those rallies just by the fact that they're protesting against someone under Secret Service protection. Um, just saw this one today. I thought you guys might be interested, especially the ones that were in the Navy. I have a few people around that were in the Navy or worked with the Navy. Ferry operator lands ship, finds 10-year Portland, Nova Scotia deal. They're going to use a Navy ship for um, for a ferry. And apparently it was a ferry because it looks just like one. Okay, so the previous operator of the Cat Ferry plans to renew a daily run between Portland and Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, starting mid-June aboard a high-speed vessel leased from the U.S. Navy. Bay Ferries Limited announced Thursday it chartered the Navy ship for two years and signed a 10-year, multi-million dollar deal with the government of Nova Scotia. Plans to start June 15th, daily six-hour round trips between Portland and Yarmouth until September 30th. The new ship, also to be called the Cat, will not stop in Bar Harbor as its predecessor did. Bay Ferries last ran that route from 2006 to 2009. Yeah, they used to go out of Bar Harbor, um, but this is for Portland. So all those yuppies, you can just see them now with the wind in their hair. Oh, we're going to Nova Scotia. So here we go. Um, the skinny on um, Cruz's wife, what, the Goldman Sachs thing or something else, by all means, just, just go ahead and say whatever you want to say. Anything you feel like you need to share, by all means, go ahead and share it. And um, one last thing here. I had um, something that I wrote down about gaslighting. If you don't know what gaslighting is, it's when somebody tries to make you feel like you don't know what you're talking about so that you'll feel terrible about yourself and you won't believe your own mind. It comes from the movie Gaslight, which, if you've never seen it, was where a husband convinced his wife that she was losing her mind by messing around with the lights in the house back when they were gas, turning them up and down, and she thought she was losing her mind. Anyway, <clears throat> somebody wrote something on one of the forums that I read, and I really liked it, so I, I saved it. And what I do is I think about it depending on which person it is that I believe has done this. This is written... With the with the kind of the idea that it's a lost lover or spouse, but it could be anybody. It could be anybody. It could be your best friend that betrayed you or whatever. So I'm going to read you this, and then I think I will be done. Desert Pete, if you're wanting to come on, be a good time to call in about three or four minutes. Okay, this is it. It was written by Cora Gurley. And I think it's just somebody who was just writing on the forum. I don't think it's a special, you know, like a famous person or anything. Okay. 
When I cry my eyes out now, it's not because I want him back at all. I cry because it hurts, period. There's no fixing anything because I can never unsee what I've seen, who I clearly see now, and I know without a doubt that this monster is what was there all along. He has no hope, nor do I, for him to ever be anything more. I can't and don't want to undo the past or present, but it still hurts like hell. When you truly love and sacrifice on a long road and it comes to the end and you look back and it's erased and you realize it was never even there. All that was loved, lived, and bled was real, but that's it. All the joy was in your mind and you can't erase everything you felt, but all the illusion of love is only emotionless pictures that flash before your eyes as mostly vague and occasionally vivid memories, but nothing more. The only real thing left is all the pain. Every time you told your, your conscience and intuition to shut up, all the tears your babies cried, and the empty spaces in their hearts that can no longer be fixed or filled, the permanent damage is all you see and feel. It kills you, but you aren't dead. You know it's possible you will carry this stain that wipes itself onto every new beginning and will always be the first picture you see when you look into your past till your very end. Every time you look in the mirror or over your shoulder or into the eyes of your children, it will smile greedily back at you. Even the happiest days yet to come, its shadow will be there waiting for your gaze into its dark, empty void, waiting for even just a second of your strengthening, stronger self to spark and ignite its savage, dauntless destruction into your vibrant, warm soul because that's what feeds this demon. Bright stars without enough gas could easily fall victim and become black holes waiting quietly, cleverly, forever. What's your worst nightmare? Is it the monster in your nightmare or the infusion of his eternal daydream that he leaves behind? This is the thing that happens when someone's betrayed and they carry it. It's really always there. I mean, you can say that you can forget about it. You can say, I'm not going to pay attention to that anymore. But it's always there because these things were built together. They were enmeshed. Some of the best stuff that's happened in the last few years, actually the last few months, I mean, are realizations that um, some of the things that happened in the past actually did matter. <laughs> that was a surprise to me. I figured, you know, they're gone. Uh, just like many people do, they're gone. They should be forgotten. They're not, they're not relevant to today. But they actually are because they shape who you are and how you believe. I know that I've shared on here before about the fact that somebody, when I was feeling really bad about two years ago, I had left a job and it was I was working for somebody who was, I thought, a really wonderful person. And since I've changed my mind on that, but anyway, um, I had talked to strangers. It was complete strangers on the Internet. It was a show on an Internet show. And I had called in and I just was upset and I was talking about this issue, and they they practically told me to be quiet because they wanted to tell me something. I said, what? And the question they asked me, which made the most impact on my life and actually changed it almost in an instant because I'd been thinking incorrectly all this time, all my life, basically. <clears throat> when did you first believe that you were responsible for someone else? And... I realized that I was four. And it was when my little sister was born and my mother told me I had to take care of her. 
that was the first I remember being responsible for someone else. And I never, ever thought I should put myself first. I was really surprised to hear that that's what is supposed to happen. You're supposed to put yourself first, and then you have the strength to take care of other people. And I just had used myself up all the time. One more thing. Give them everything I can. And was raised in an environment where that was done by everyone, so it was fine because there was always plenty to go around. And then I moved to an area where <laughs> everybody's every man for himself and uh, competing, and it's just not a good it's not a good situation for somebody who gives gives their heart. So hopefully that wasn't too much of a downer. You got something out of that. All right then. Um, let's see. Got a good crew in here tonight. That's pretty cool. We've got Boing Snap, who just showed up. Um, we've got Charles, Desert Pete, Jameskin, Straight Shot, Guest 10, Guest 11, and Valium. So let's see who's in the chat right now talking. Oh. Well, you know, Guest 10, I'm seeing that you're talking about Cruz, Cruz's wife and stuff. I've been seeing some things around uh, different places. Who knows whether they're just feeding each other the same information and it's all coming from one place. Who knows? But um, there's been some talk and speculation that the reason why Cruz is the one they want is because he's supposed to be like the president of the North American Union, which is what they really want. I don't know if that's still going forward or not. The European Union seems to be falling apart, but you never know. I think that the uh, North American Union is something that was in progress, and they may still have that dream for the future. Yikes, I just clicked on Desert Pete's name instead of his telephone and went to his uh, profile thing. Hi, Desert Pete. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it's working tonight. It is. How are you? The first time I tried to call in, it said this number is no longer in service, and I thought, oh. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, you're here now. Okay. Uh, well, where do I begin? Um, we've had two batches of flowers bloom. The The weather's been so warm out here, and then suddenly yesterday this cold blast comes through, and our nights are back down in the 40s. Yeah, we have we have a really cold day today. I was so cold, my bones felt cold. So I'm sitting here in four layers of clothing talking to you. It's uh, yep. so chilly today, so still. We've had it in the 50s in the last few days, and we're going to go back up to the 50s, but today it's really cold. Yeah, uh, whoever that G8 is, he sure likes using language to inflame people. Oh, really? Uh, they left, whoever it is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I should waste any airtime. It could be, it could be, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Donaldson. Um, he is, he's inflammatory every time I've seen him anywhere. Yeah. 
uh, he he was just bending the conversation to that it's, it's total uh, totally a race issue, and I stand on my longtime viewpoint that race has nothing to do with it. It's a belief system argument, and when people follow wrong belief systems, they do crazy things. Oh, and it has nothing to do with their race. Now, granted, there are belief systems that want to worship their own race, and that's just as wrong as anything. But uh, in any event, uh, if if you buy the racism argument, then suddenly you you've you've fallen into the uh, the genocide argument. Oh, well, it's one specific yeah, race. If you want to, if people want to do that, then there's always going to be another race that wants to annihilate your race. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm just dealing with uh, <laughs> never argue with an idiot because he drags you down to his level and beats you with experience. So uh, uh, that that was probably the case. Uh, and, and one other light topic, I'll well not so light topic I'll bring up on kind of on this issue. Uh. I, I made it over to uh, uh, to Las Vegas last week to, uh, to see some friends, uh, a couple of my very intelligent friends, and one of the things came out in discussion. The average IQ of the average American has now dropped to 95. Many years ago, it used to be 100. Yeah. It's now 95, so we can thank vaccines, chemtrails, uh, amalgam fillings, uh, the long list of stuff that has just knocked the human intelligence down by another five points here in America. Uh, Do you happen to know what the average intelligence of a chimpanzee is? The same, right? 85. Oh, yeah, not far. Yeah, Yeah, I think you told me that because I just heard that this past week. I think it was you. I think you emailed me that. Yeah, that that might have been an email. That that was yep. that was a shocker. So, the average human here, here in America has only got a ten point lead on a chimpanzee. <laughs> yep. That's why we see comments like we do not just here on this chat board, but all over YouTube and anywhere you, you scroll down to look at comments, you see just total garbage by morons who can't construct a sentence, certainly can't spell anything, and it's just all knee-jerk emotional reactions to everything. No substance to their argument. They couldn't carry on an intelligent argument if they had to. Uh, Answer not a fool. I don't have my glasses on. I thought he said, answer not found, Pete. <laughs> um, um, I I just, when you mentioned about the the uh, vaccines, I remembered I just listened to some video this morning that was really good, so I was putting it in the chat. Dr. Suzanne Humphreys on aluminum in vaccines and how dangerous it is. She was speaking in Finland. Shucks. Aluminum has been in underarm deodorant for how many years? Since the 50s? Well, I got an education. I I got up early this morning because I couldn't sleep. My my back was bothering me, so I got out of bed and I came downstairs and sat in my most comfortable chair. It's not an easy chair either, but it makes my back feel better. And I was watching 
the video just to, you know, lull myself so I could nap if I wanted to or listen if I wanted to. And I actually was very interested in it because I was learning something new. Aluminum in in food, such as is ingested, like she was saying, they say, well, it's in baby formula, it's in soy milk, blah, blah, blah. And it's much higher levels there than in the vaccines, so there's nothing to worry about. Well, the vaccines, when, when the aluminum is injected into a child's muscles, she was saying the, um, what is it called, the macrophage, the, that odd-shaped thing that comes and eats stuff, eats like debris and all that stuff, cleans up the areas. It um, eats it up and takes it to the brain. It doesn't excrete out of the person. It stays in the body, goes to the brain, and in the organs and stuff. And if they eat it, like say they have it in their formula or whatever, almost all of it comes out immediately in elimination. So she said you can't just say it like it doesn't matter how it goes into the body because it does matter. And it's not just, uh, it's cumulative, which means the more vaccines they add, the more aluminum this child is getting. The other thing I learned was that the aluminum is in the dead va- the dead virus vaccines, such as like hepatitis B um, and uh, there's some other ones, probably Bellium knows because I think she studies the vac- vaccine stuff. The live ones, um, such as give you a mild form of a disease like measles and that kind of thing, they don't have aluminum in them. So, and it matters when they're given. So I was really surprised by it. I was very interested in it. So I just thought I'd pop that in there too, like we don't have enough else to do. Yeah, and of course if you order a baked potato in a restaurant, it comes wrapped in foil. I don't know yeah. if that affects much, but uh, but yeah, that's just another exposure to aluminum. Uh I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. I certainly can't defend all of their viewpoints, but I have to hand, to it, hand one item to them. They've been against vaccines since square one. So i got to agree with them. Uh, God designed us a, a, a digestive system that as we put anything in our mouths just for the purpose of getting energy and maybe a little... Uh, uh, flavor uh, uh, zing. Uh, We have this digestive system that filters the garbage out and gets rid of it for us so that it's only the nutritional stuff that ends up in our bloodstream. But if you inject anything directly into the blood, you just bypass the natural defense system on your whole body. So there's just been something unnatural about vaccines ever since they were first invented. Uh, okay, well, um, I'll bypass the light stuff. i got to get on to a, a real heavy topic here tonight. Uh, Kesh. TV vaccines. Sorry. What, what was that? It was just my video that I was trying to close. It came on the... Oh, okay. It blasted. Sorry. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, Cash uh, dropped some earth shakers today. Uh, let me put up my uh, energy page link again because I just added some updates to it while you were talking earlier. So uh, 
Um, if anybody went there earlier, you need to refresh your page. Get the link up again here and get back to talking. I can't talk and type at the same time. Uh, okay. Uh, Gordon Duff over at Veterans Today wrote a, a more eloquent article than, than I ever do. He, he He's able to type faster and, and coordinate his ideas a lot better than Desert Peak can. So I just primarily do headlines on my page and then link to somebody else who does the elaborate story. Uh, Cash unfortunately repeated the term Messiah again, and the term that which I readily admit offends me when every time he uses it. Uh, it may be a culture thing, so let's just step by that for the moment and get on to the more important stuff. Uh, he has released confirmational proof of his medical technology accomplishing get a load of this reversal of radiation poisoning it has now been tested in Fukushima on laboratory mice laboratory mice exposed to Fukush Fukushima drain water radioactive water coming off the the, the disaster over there uh, the batch of mice that were exposed to that water all died within a week. Some oh. died within a couple of days. Uh, the the strongest one in the in the batch survived uh, one week, maybe a week and a day, and then died. That was exposure to Fukushima water. Nice. When they were treated with Kesha's what he calls CO2 GANs, gas and nanostate, all samples, all laboratory mice survived. Kesh went on to point out the common problem there with TEPCO working there right on the ocean front and at that latitude is uh, the mornings are always quite chilly and foggy and people were constantly coming down with influenza even before the, the disaster in that that was just a natural work hazard there of they were constantly having employees coming down with the flu and vaccines were not all that effective if not totally ineffective. When they infected the mice with influenza and tested the CO2 GANs they recovered. Hmm. Doing that as a separate test. They even took a batch of mice exposed to Fukushima radioactive water and contaminated with influenza, and they recovered from both of them. Wow. Now, here's the kicker. And if you go over to column two in here, this is uh, why Kesh today called for the immediate resignation of the Prime Minister of Japan because he has known about this technology for two full years and not made it available to the public. Who who didn't make it available? The Prime Minister of Japan. Oh. Because Kesh made this technology available to TEPCO way back in uh, 2013. Do you think was, they thought it was junk science or that they did that to be deliberately... 
uh, you can write attitudes and opinions all you want. Just the raw fact is the technology was over there, and this laboratory study was done two years ago. 2014 is when it was done. Hmm. So ever since 2014, this should have been available, especially to all the people of Japan and then subsequently to all of us on the west coast of America who got immediate exposure and then all around the world who got later exposure from Japan. But Cash is just now breaking the news of this story because it just got to him what TEPCO had paid for having the studies having TEPCO paid to have the studies done back in 2014 and wouldn't tell anybody. And an insider at TEPCO leaked this over to Cash today, oh, wow. uh, this week. And so the actual document uh, is posted. Let me look at my page again. Know what I'm talking about? They're in column two. If you just click on the image, that's the document. You might want to just save that image to look at the results of the test. Uh, now that the story in column two ties to story in column one. Uh, a startup company based here in California, of all places, that got initial funding out of Silicon Valley uh, let's see, I think they started in 2008 but they were nothing. They, they were just playing, kind of like my company, playing around with a variety of ideas, but they couldn't get any money to do anything. Yeah. And then suddenly they got a political contact. And in comes the political money. Uh, as I put the headline there, they just sold this February for $350 million. Yeah, amazing. Uh, they're a new startup. Now, I can't sell my company. We've got some good ideas, too. And for that matter, I've my company has known about cash for some time. Nobody's given me any money to go work out and make any of his stuff, though. Uh, so uh, knowledge is not everything. It's inside context. It's not what you know. It's who you know. Yeah, and it's been that way for a long time. Uh Kesh, in his very long four-hour video today, explained the history of this company by the name of uh, Curion, K-U-R-I-O-N. They're a mon money laundering operation, is what it amounts to. Uh, after World War II, Japan was eternally forbidden to do anything with nuclear technology without American supervision. Okay. America, for whatever reason, has put a kibosh on doing any business with Iran. Uh, anybody doing business with America cannot possibly do any business with Iran. Uh, so Japan now has this serious problem. Uh, their own local company is operating Fukushima, but they can't own it. Who owns it? General Electric and Westinghouse. <laughs> Some time ago, General Electric and Westinghouse realized we're owning a disaster waiting to happen. we got to get rid of it. 
General Electric and Westinghouse sold off their ownership and it went into international limbo here. I can't find the middleman at this point. Uh, who steps into the picture now as soon as they got the right political contacts? Curian. Hmm. Suddenly, Curian being American-owned, oh yeah, American-owned. Uh, what do you know? Uh, and initially financed out of corrupt Silicon Valley money, uh, suddenly gets the right political contact and gets approved by NRC and IA, the UN's version of NRC, uh, to step in and do business with TEPCO and Japan. Tep okay, since uh, TEPCO being under American supervision was disallowed from ever talking to Miran Kesh because Miran Kesh was born in Iran. He doesn't live there anymore. He, he doesn't have a citizenship there anymore. But because he was born in Iran, TEPCO was disallowed by the U.S. from ever doing any business with Miran Kesh. We can thank Obama for continuing that crap. Uh, Obama and, uh, and Kerry... Uh, is uh, you're not allowed to do business with Miran Kish. I don't care if he has the answer to your problem. You can't do business with him. So in comes a new startup here in America, California-based, that suddenly has a solution. What is their solution? Well, an insider at TEPCO looked into what these guys were doing, and it was a stolen copy of Miran Kish's technology. <laughs> With well, Amer you know, you could have predicted that. <laughs> with an American taking credit for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, but now Japan is allowed to do business with this American company. Hey, razzmatazz, let's get some votes. American votes. Yeah, American business here. Yeah, using a stolen technology from an Iranian physicist who we aren't allowed to talk to anymore because... Uh, yeah, and I wish G8 hadn't hung, hung up here. You, you hear what I'm about to say. Yeah, because the Zionist lobby won't let us do business with... Excuse me, Velam, I'm shouting, I'm sorry. Uh, because the Zionist lobby won't let us do business with Iran, uh, the word of that could not get over to uh, uh, to TEPCO. And so... The technology had to get laundered through an American company for TEPCO to do anything. And when they tried it, lo and behold, it started working. People that had initial indications of radioactive sickness are getting healed. They're coming back to full health again. So humans are using it at Fukushima now. And they're seeing startling results. But at the moment, it's only being used at Fukushima by select workers. It's not being handed out through the whole population of Japan. And we have little kids getting really sick from radiation poisoning all over Japan now. Uh, and then, of course, the problem continues all the way across the Pacific Ocean and how much sea life has been killed now. 
Good grief. We have blue whales washing up on the shore now. The biggest mammal on the planet uh, due to all this radiation. But the point is, and this is the breakthrough announcement there on my site, uh, is uh, uh, cache technology has now been proven to solve the, uh, the radiation sickness issue and reverse it. Somehow or another gets the... Uh, the main thing it does is this GANS material finds all the radioactive contaminations in your body and it dissolves them and flows them out through your natural waste system. Uh, because as he explains at length in the video, and again, it's a four-hour video, and as I said before, you have to have patience to listen to Cash. Uh, but as he points out, uh, measurements were done. They autopsied the mice afterwards. Even even the healthy mice got, got killed and autopsied to find out where is this radiation disappearing to. Did it go into the liver? No, their livers were clean. Did it go into any other organs? No, the other organs were clean. Where was the radiation go going? It was all going out in the urine and excrement just like any other waste. And it's this huh. GANS material that enabled it to happen. Otherwise, these radioactive particles just lodge somewhere in your body and start to create tumors and on, come can on comes cancer. Wow. Uh, so this is a breakthrough technology in several realms. Cassius also pointed out people that uh, bought into the argument for uh, uh, radiation treatment of cancer. Well, the initial argument was the, the heavy radiation dose does reduce the size of tumors. And so that, that is a known fact that I won't argue with. But it triggers further cancer. Well, as Kesh is pointing out, if the radiation treatment is done in conjunction with his CO2 GANs, that solves the radiation poisoning problem. Now, I'd just as soon stay away from radiation altogether. Uh, in fact, I'm working with some inventors that, that have tumor reduction ideas that don't rely on uh, on dangerous radiation. So uh, uh, that that's, that's kind of another issue that's too long to go into tonight. But uh, but as far as uh, the problem of radiation, uh, Cash has got the technology now. So uh, they're they're going to be frantically trying to get it mass produced for Japan market first for obvious reasons. But uh, other uh, Cash Foundation affiliates are are welcome to go into manufacture of it also and try to make it available to the rest of us who just happen to live downwind from our own nuclear reactors. Uh, and we'd all appreciate some uh, some prevention uh, uh, against a, a disaster there, especially if Los Angeles is going to get a big earthquake in April, as, as Cash keeps leaning on, keeps repeating. So how true Mike, that's going to be, I keep looking at that web page, the one that shows the carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, sorry. I love looking at it because I'm like, okay, is California looking like it's got a lot of carbon monoxide right now? Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, uh, I keep watching it. It's not as bad as that day that you showed it to me, though. Right. The last couple of oh days I've gosh. looked at it, it's it's been looking pretty clean. But, yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, that that one day, I think it was the 25th of last month. Uh, that that was the whole San Andreas fault. I know, and the, the, and the, the one that's been most active recently, as far as an area, is New York City area, right there yeah. near the uh, right. I mean, Long Island is sticking out, and there's there's the the purplish part is right over New York City and into uh, like New Jersey, probably around Elizabeth or somewhere in there. And I'm like, so are they going to have like a volcano come up in New York? That would be really weird. That would be like something out of a movie. Yeah. Uh, if anybody's interested in watching the cash, but they really don't have four hours to invest in it, in it uh, let me just mention some minute points here. If I could type and talk at the same time, I would, and I'd put it up in the chat, but uh, I'll just put it out verbal in case somebody listens to the show later. Um, yeah. The uh, Kesh starts talking in the video at the nine-minute point. Uh, he's got some old publicity videos in the in the front that many people have just seen too many times. They don't want to watch it again. So he doesn't start talking until the nine-minute point. Uh, he proceeds with some political comments clear up to the 31-minute point. So minutes nine through 31 are his opening remarks. That's kind of worth reviewing because he does go into some political issues like the, the Belgian bombing and, and whatnot. Um, and makes some important statements on that, as well as some rather offensive statements. But anyway, cash, you take him or leave him. Um, oh. The uh, uh, right, this one was, was critical. Um, Okay, um, the report from Fukushima starts at the two-hour and six-minute point. So you can save yourself two hours of video watching if you just go to that link that I have there on my website, which uh, for anybody who doesn't have the chat in front of them, um, it's uh, the cache number 106th. Um, uh, knowledge Seeker. If you go to YouTube and look up uh, uh, Cash Foundation 106th Knowledge Seeker I've got workshop, it. I'm going to put it in. March 24. Yep, I've got it. I took it off your website. Here it is. Okay. But it's 106. Just, I'm just going to put. Yeah, 106, March 24. Uh, that's the video. Uh, four and a half hours long, I see. Uh, and the report from Fukushima starts around the two-hour uh, correction. I'll save you another six minutes. Uh, he has some technical problems for five minutes getting hooked up. Uh, his lecture starts at the two-hour, 13-minute point. I think the guy's name is Mr. Khan. That's how he pronounces That's how Cash pronounces it. could be something different. seems every time he goes to pronounce his name, his Skype connection breaks up. Um, but that's the presentation, and that goes for, oh, goodness, another... Uh... I might actually try to listen to that again. He He's so hard to listen to. Oh. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> since you and I are 
pretty fine-tuned into the politics. I, I would suggest it's worth listening to that between the nine-minute and the 31-minute point to get his political observations, and then jump ahead to the uh, two-hour and 13-minute point to hear this uh, this other. Uh, and the gentleman talking is a scientist who at one time was an employee at Fukushima uh, and got fired. Well, he then went to work for Cash, and so he then became the kind of insider who who learned of this and got his hands on uh, on this document. Uh, so that was the the big earth shaker of the day of huh. learning uh, of a solution for uh, for radiation poisoning. Uh, all right, jump back in my notes here. Uh, yeah, in his political comment, comments, he makes some startling re revelations on on his opinion of Israel, uh, and that was pretty macho of him to say what he does there. So uh, I'll let Cash say it in his own words. I feel like your voice is fading out. I don't know if anyone else is having trouble. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was at an emotional point in screaming a few minutes ago, and so now I'm calming down. Um, yeah, so the uh, his, his political comment starts at the nine-minute point, and then the Fukushima report is the two-hour and 18-minute point, and that's all I need to say on that. Uh, I guess Field has been just too busy to even reply to his emails lately. I hope I haven't offended him. Uh, but... Uh, Oh, just chatting with my other pilot friend. I've uh, drawn an interest on uh, on Gulfstream uh, airplanes lately. Huh. Uh, beautiful executive transport. And something I've noticed on on the recent models, at least, they all use Honeywell autopilots. And of course, that was a red flag, because I thought the the BHUP is Boeing Honeywell uninterruptible autopilot. Right. Um, so I fired a question question off to Cash of Are Gulfstreams vulnerable to uh, the same hijacking as anything else? And I never got a reply from him. Um, and then the uh, the Russian plane went down. The Fly Dubai, the yeah. Fly Dubai seven thirty seven. Yeah. And when I first heard that and saw that it was a Russian owned airplane, Russian owned airline. Using a 737, I thought, well, they probably got an older model 737 that already had the stuffings beaten out of it, so anything could have gone wrong. Until I saw a picture of the actual plane and realized that was a new plane. That was right off the assembly line not very long ago, year two at the oldest. Uh, and then Jim Stone commented, no, that thing went straight nose into the ground. That didn't... Uh, just happened to catch the tail or something, as as the media originally reported. So yeah, that was definitely a uh, an electronic hijacking. Well, didn't he say something about a barometric bomb? Um, where did I see that? Probably on the website abledanger.org. Something about a barometric bomb. Um, because from what I heard, it it didn't even dent the the uh, runway, because it didn't hit the runway first, it blew up first. 
the video did show something was on fire before it hit. Yeah. Um, so I don't know because I didn't go and read up on all of that yet. And I've paid absolutely no attention to the Belgium thing. I have not paid any attention at all. I feel that that's a false flag again. Yeah. And the just the insults to people's intelligence as these people come out like nothing really just happened to them and they talk about stuff. It doesn't ring true to me. And, you uh, know. Yeah, Jim Stone's uh, uh, two cents worth pointed out that the media is drawing a map of, uh, uh, oh, these three uh, terrorists uh, wheeled their bomb up to yeah, a Starbucks all counter. The stuff. They managed to have all the pictures of everything they want. Oh, yeah. Then I saw the picture where supposedly someone had a doll instead of a baby. It sure looked like a doll to me, too. A little stiff yeah. looking for a baby. And just stuff. I mean, here's a bridge all lit up in the colors of Belgium flag. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, look, it takes a while to order light bulbs of a different color. It takes a while to put them in. Use your head, people. You know, it's yeah. like, use your head. It's not something that spontaneously happens. Just like the Gabby Giffords thing out there, where they had all of the whole theme party all planned ahead of time. They had to, because you don't print t-shirts in one day. And it's just, you know, it's like anything that has, like, uh, a spectacle that goes along with it, to me, is suspicious. Yeah. Well, the, again, the media is claiming that they, they wheeled the bomb up in a public area and lit it off. Uh, Jim Stone is finding eyewitnesses that say, no, the bomb was planted up in the ceiling, completely different direction than what the media is reporting. So, uh, yeah, did a big bang happen? Yeah, it did. We had people from Maine over there that were just lucky and didn't get in the explosion. They had a story on the local news about them. They were uh, brewers. They were they were over there on a like a retreat or reward trip for their company. They were brewers, like beer brewers, and just you know they were interviewed and stuff. This isn't a tragedy that happened. This is a media event. Yeah. Crazy. They're uh, crazy. They're nuts. Israel knows NATO is there in Belgium, in uh, Brussels, and wants to make them uh, still scared of Islamic terrorists. That's just in Belgium, right? Brussels is, is in Belgium, yeah. Yeah, and isn't Kesh there? That's where he is? Used to be. Moved over to Italy, and then now moved out of Italy over to Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. And if you listen between the lines in in Kesh's political comments, you see he's blaming Israel for the Brussels bombing. Just everybody's pointing a finger at someone else. Yeah. Well, no, no, Kesh kind of jumps on everybody for too much finger pointing but uh, uh, he brought up something that well this is an interesting observation he says people have asked him why hasn't Mossad killed you by now and he says now don't forget Kesha's father was Jewish his mother was, was Muslim and he's married to a Catholic 
uh, Cash points out that his family line traces through the Cohens. And he says no Jew would ever dare kill another Cohen. There's some kind of a, a family agreement in there in the Khazarian tribe. Maybe not Khazarian, I don't know, but the uh, the, the Zionist tribe, we'll put it that way, that no Jew would dare touch a Cohen. So that was a comment he made, and that was just interesting. Plant that aside, I don't know. John Kerry's a Cohen, isn't he? Uh, is he? I don't know. I've heard that he is. Uh, another personality, I'll say, is this Dr. Bill Deagle. I've occasionally listened to in the past and occasionally agreed with on a few things, not everything. Uh, Bill Deagle claims that he comes from the Cohen tribe, so uh, for what it's worth. Yeah. Um, realm I've got nothing to do, do with. Uh, Danes are barely even loyal to each other, so I don't have any family cliques like that that, <laughs> that want to control the world. Um, Let's see, what was the other point? Oh, I was uh, starting in on Gulf Streams. Um, so Gulf Streams use Honeywell guidance systems. So then I threw a, a second question at uh, at Field, uh, stating that, well, since Gulf Streams have such a high cost of operation to keep them in the air, and they only carry a few people compared to an airliner, why is it we only see airliners going down? If they were trying to target a specific individual and he's on a Gulf Stream, that'd be an easier target to hit, I would think. And they probably again, don't want to ruin their own airplane. And uh, again, Field hasn't had time to reply to me, and I kind of answered my own question. Uh, again, Gulf Stream cost per passenger mile is outrageous. Well, they're they're and, privately owned, aren't they? Well, yeah, we're talking private jets here. The, the well, elite, they don't want to ruin their own jet. These are the elite of private jets. They're, yeah, well, they don't. Those aren't the ones they kill usually. They're yeah. those are their friends and buddies. Well, I'm thinking like a naive gentile here, a goyim or whatever, uh, and. Bottom line is I'm answering my own question. And let let me go back to Desert Pete's own family here. Uh, we kind of grew up in northern Illinois, right off a road called the Dixie Highway. The Dixie Highway is Route 1 through Illinois. And what did that road connect? It connected Chicago mobs Al Capone's group with all the bordellos down in New Orleans. And my family knew back in the Depression, anytime you saw a big black Lincoln limo going up or down Route 1, that was a mafia gangster in it. And you never messed with a big black limo because you knew good and well there were Tommy guns inside. And if you were macho enough to run one off the road into the river and kill everybody in the car, 
you would have the entire mafia looking for you afterwards. So it's suddenly dawning on me as the follow-up to your comment on about Gulfstreams, they wouldn't kill their own. It's beginning to look now like a Gulfstream jet is the black limo of the sky. Could be. You don't mess with them, even they if you have... They fly in here, but I don't know what they do. Probably go down to the coast or else they're bankers. Uh, well... We see them here, those executive jets. Yeah, from a certain model on up, from the G5 on up, uh, they've all got transatlantic range. So, yeah, if they refuel in Bangor, they can go about anywhere. Oh, uh, so anyway, just keep watch. I wonder if you'll ever see a Gulfstream suffer from a uh, Honeywell hijacking. Uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't wish that demise on anyone, but uh, it's just a topic for discussion here. And if I ever get rich enough, I might want to get one myself. They're such a nice plane. But uh, I might want to change the uh, the autopilot on it if, if I could. But uh, from what Field says that uh, Lufthansa had to pay to design a whole new uh, autopilot system for the plane, uh, what did yeah. say, eight, $800 million, I think, was his, uh, his comment. We used to have all that stuff flying here back when, when we were really active 24 hours a day. We had Lufthansa, we had um, Continental, United, American, Delta. Um, what were some of the other ones? Pan Am back in the 70s. Pan Am used to come here. Um, overseas National Airlines, o ONA. Um, what was the one out in um, California? TIA, Trans International Airport. I mean, airline or something. TWA. Or Airways. TWA. T there was TIA. There was a TIA oh. tower in Oakland, I believe. Okay. Um, we knew somebody that was like the rep from TIA, and, and my husband went out and visited him out there. I never got to California, but he went out there to see him. I forget what his name was now, but they uh, experienced an earthquake while he was there. A small one, but they he said it was strange. They were sitting there at the table, and all of a sudden the people disappeared, and he's like, where'd you go? They were in the doorways, because back then that's where they told people to get was in the doorways. He didn't know. He didn't know even recognize there was anything going on. But, get know, out they into were, an open field. Huh? <laughs> get out into well, an open field. That, that's where you have to run to. I think they were in someone's home in the city, but... Um, yeah, that, there were a lot of different ones around then, and they were all coming through. In, and some of the um, ones that were based out of the Middle East were coming through here, too. So, you know, like around my house, I have little stuff that's like from Saudi Arabia or whatever. I have like, you know, little spoons or salt and pepper shakers that have like the palm style things that they put on their decorations. I just have a lot of weird stuff in my house. I always talk about my weird stuff I have. But, you know, I have little odds and ends of airline catering stuff still kicking around my house because food would come home on it or whatever. Back in the day, piles of that stuff. I mean, we're talking huge racks of, like, hundreds of 
the same thing, dishes, because they, they called it rotating it out. They would wash it and stuff. They called it the, uh, like, washing the equipment or whatever, the service. And they'd put out clean, fresh food, and they'd take the dirty dishes, and off the people would go. And Yeah, it was quite the time out there. Very busy, very exhausting. But we had a lot of interesting experiences because of that place. And it was, I can just keep saying it's so odd how we're just in certain areas to recognize things. Somebody was just saying something about that, too. I can't remember who it was, if it was you or somebody saying they couldn't believe they were in just the right place. I think it was you. You were telling a story about being just the right place. Oh, uh, uh, it happens at times, for yeah. Something that, oh, it was the one where I know why I was thinking it was recent, because I listened to last time the show from two weeks ago so that I could refresh what we were talking about, and you were talking about um, somebody you ran into and how odd it was, but now it's an investigation, the person that had the computer taken. Oh, that, right, uh, on the, ped- Allen. the pedophile investigation, yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yesterday I was sitting here watching the news and uh, the local news at, at supper time, the one around 6.30, and somebody's name was mentioned as being indicted yesterday at, by a grand jury for gross sexual misconduct with an 11-year-old girl. And it was, I think they said, let's see, 11, eight years ago. The person's 19 now and has just recently disclosed this. I was shocked. I went, what? I think I was cooking dinner or something, and I was, like shrieking in the kitchen. Oh my gosh! Because we both know this person. Well, yeah. And we were we were just totally shocked because we have been out of touch because it was somebody that worked for the construction company that I was contracting company that I was working for as the office manager. It was somebody that worked for us for a little while, and so we all knew this person, knew knew everything, knew their family, the whole the whole thing, and. Uh, there was a divorce a couple of years ago, but I also am not working with those people anymore, so I don't know how much connection any of them have with each other. But we lo- we looked at each other and we're like, holy crap, he was doing that stuff while we knew him. This was the time period when we knew him really well. I mean, driving around with him in the vehicle sometimes. I was floored. You just never know. You just never know. People are good at hiding certain things. So. I, I agree uh, that uh, I mean everybody has has their individual unique characteristics, and some people just kind of want to take a rude approach of, uh, of broad brushing people, and polite people don't broad brush others. You uh, you you make each person answer for their own and whatnot. Uh, well, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is <laughs> we can't be feeling too bad about our guilt by association because we don't always know what's going on with people. Well, well, that's it. There was nothing that was obvious. Yeah. And even when he went and made an admission on the on the Internet, the the next thing is, well, that was a public admission. What else could I add to that? I don't know anything over what he just admitted to. 
because uh, oh, this this Gordon Duff at Veterans Today, who I'm I'm gaining some respect for. However, when he reported on it, one of his first comments was, "Oh, Sterling Allen had twenty thousand email addresses on there." Well, yeah. Are you saying all twenty thousand of those were were also pedophiles? I don't think so, because I know my email was in there somewhere, and uh, so yeah. was uh, so were several other alternative energy associates that that I worked with, all of whom are are straight and normal, and there's no criminal background on any of them. Because uh, Sterling uh, uh, gave the impression that he had an honest interest in uh, in alternative energy, and so we all trusted that from a professional basis, and uh, corresponded accordingly on that, and always on professional topics related to energy, and that was as far as the conversation ever went. Uh, so Gordon Duff. Uh, comes up with a comment of, oh, he had all these email addresses and none of his friends ever exposed him. And I'm thinking, well, that's because most of his friends didn't have a clue what he was up to. So, uh, yeah, Duff is, is shoots from the hip as much as Trump does, uh, which makes you wonder uh, about Trump. By the way, have you listened to Trump's full address to APEC? No, but I probably will sometime this week. I was kind of listen to everything. It's too much. I was trying to support him as best I could, but that was total pandering. Well, I will certainly listen to it, and I'll get back to you what I think about it because I I haven't had a chance to yet. I just I was surprised because I didn't expect that he would have a good reception there, but I had heard in the media that he did have a good reception. That's all I know about it. Well, Charles is on with us now, by the way. As I understand, both his uh, his kids married into the the Jewish culture, so uh, that should have bought him some alliances, as I referred to in the chat board earlier. Sort of like uh, Solomon marrying wives in other countries just for politics. Uh, I thought it was just his daughter Ivanka's babies are Jewish. Okay, that that could be too, but but I uh, don't know about the others. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We we all answer individually, and I I think personally I feel David Hawkins is running down a rabbit trail of mistakes and broad brushing Trump for the wrong reasons. Hmm. Uh, I don't know either. I still haven't figured that out. Yeah. Uh, yeah what scares me is a lot of it just sounds like just blatant false accusations and tying him in with stuff that. No, he he may have been an innocent bystander. Yeah, he may have been in the room, but then again, we've all been in the room when some other nasty stuff was going off, going on in a, in another corner. Uh, and I'm not to be blamed for that. And I had nothing to do with Sterling's personal activities, but I I did dialogue with him frequently on uh, on energy related topics, and we argued quite a bit on on that too. Because uh, in some of the stuff, his lack of ethics became apparent that he was more concerned about chasing the money of uh, of an energy idea rather than finding out if it worked first before he wanted to go out and actively promote it. So that was an area of argument. Uh, before we bring in others, um, the... Uh, Last thing I wanted to bring up is uh, 
really jumping topics here. Obama is going down to the South Pole. Oh, really? What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> what talk- love got yeah, to I'm, uh, got talking about, with it? I'm talking about uh, Gulfstream private jets. So he's taken the ultimate private jet, Air Force One, down to uh, South America, Argentina. Uh, Rents brought up something last night. I didn't know from his. He needs to bring his refuelers with him. I think it's a long trip. Uh, yeah. Well, 747s can go halfway around the planet. They they got a lot of a lot of gas on board. Uh, but uh, uh, <laughs> legend has it the Nazis built a base underneath the South Pole. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a base there. And they relocated a lot of their people down to Argentina, Argentina and Brazil. And yep. the, the amount of Nazis in Brazil, I confirmed, Chile was... Chile, too, I believe. Yeah. The the amount of Nazis in Brazil, I confirmed through my missionary cousin down there. Um, Rents does a lot of study on Adolf Hitler, almost more than he should waste time on. Uh, and I understand why. Uh, Rents is not a Nazi himself. He just understands the uh, the Bolshevik influence and how it was only Adolf Hitler that was standing up to the Bolsheviks. And so Rents is kind of respecting Hitler for that aspect of, of his actions, certainly not his other stuff. Uh, so that's why Rents keeps focusing on it. Uh, Rents pointed out the town that Hitler escaped to down in Argentina was Verilochi. And in 1960, Eisenhower visited Verilochi, Argentina. And then years later, Bill Clinton visited Verilochi, Argentina. Is, is that the place? Do you remember Raylan Allen talking about that? No, I place. don't. I, I wish I, I could. I think it was Argentina she was talking about, and she used to go there. Wow. Um, was she talking about when she was a child or as an adult? Seems like it was her. Somebody was talking about going there when they were young. A, uh, I think great, it was Raylan. A great historian, Joseph P. Farrell, has uh, researched a lot of Nazi activity and... Borman, I think, was the the real corporate genius managing Nazi money. And before the end of the war, he set up Nazi-run corporations all over the planet and started stashing Nazi loot into all of them. And some of those names are common today. Uh, Bufferin. I be profan, uh, I be farman. Uh, I'm mixing a lot of names here, but the point is that they got started by hidden Nazi money. Well, so Hitler goes down to Bariloche, Argentina, uh, followed by a visit from uh, Eisenhower, by a visit from Bill Clinton, and now guess where Obama just went this week? Bariloche, Argentina. On his way to the South Pole? Uh, uh, 
maybe the aliens are coming now. Who knows? All right. South Pole has relevance in astronomy because the story of uh, Planet X uh, and whatever whatever other name you want to tie to that says that the orbit will have it coming in from the south and it will only be visible from the southern hemisphere. Now, have astronomers or somebody discovered something that's only visible from the South Pole and we actually have heads of state? I forget who Obama is supposedly meeting with down there. But why do we have heads of state going to an absurd climate like the South Pole? That that's cold all year Maybe all year long. Maybe he's gonna hide there. Maybe he's gonna go into the base and stay there. I told you I was helping an uncle write a book about the base in Antarctica, and I figured that he was trying to tell me something. Maybe he was putting in the fiction what was actually there. That would be amazing if it was true, because I believe I still have that manuscript here somewhere. We worked on that stupid thing. Well, I shouldn't say stupid thing that very frustrating long project for months and months and months. He was in Florida, I was here, he was sending me um, the chapters and I would read them onto a cassette tape and give him comments about what I thought or didn't think about the description, whether I even understood what he was talking about, fix the grammar, and then send him back the tape. And then he would edit it and send the chapter back again and I'd just be like, oh my gosh, we're taking all the spontaneity and the interest out of this chapter because he keeps revising it and all I want him to do is check the punctuation or clarify something and he would rewrite the whole thing and we'd start over again. So it never got published but it was all about that. It was about an under an underground base at Antarctica. So I think there probably is one there because he would have known. He's a person that would have known. Wow. So um the people that are here that are on the phone that want to talk about Gordon Duff, apparently. Uh, okay. Uh, are you up that, for that yet? That was the last important thing on my list. The the the, the cash announcements were the main thing, and then just since we've both looked at Neil Keenan every now and then, and all the currency revaluation re- topics, uh, that's what my roommate mentioned to me today is that now with Obama going down to Bariloche, Argentina that might be a connection to all this hidden Nazi money uh, is a possibility. And then the South Pole really just raises nothing but question marks. So anyway, that that's all my main topics for the night. So yeah, bring on anybody else open for questions. Well, it's, it's Charles, who you already know, and apparently uh, yeah. Tim White is Monty Henry, from what I understand. So okay. I got to unmute, but it was noisy earlier, so I muted it up again. So, hello, welcome, Tim and Charles. I'm sorry, did oh, you say Monty was Tim White or something like that? Are you? No. Okay, well, sorry about that then. That's okay. How did my name get associated with that person? I'm just curious. Excuse it was through me, probably. I, I've been yeah. talking to uh, Ginger and Pete about bringing Tim White on the call. I don't have him with me here, but... Um, yeah, because um, they were talking about it in the chat that Tim was, I figured Tim was with Charles, so you were Tim. That's okay. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. I'm just listening right now, and it's fascinating, though, how you guys are connecting these dots 
um, in terms of why the president of the United States is going to Argentina. Well, we're just speculating based on what we know otherwise. There couldn't be any matters of diplomacy or economic relevancy, nothing like that, right? It couldn't be just about talking to the heads of state and trying to be diplomatic. In Antarctica? Or anywhere. I'm talking first. First, I want to analyze uh, Argentina first. Oh, yeah. It's possible. Okay. Uh, Well, then, then, sir, just bring up answer one brief question what of politic what recent events of political nature have happened in argentina that might be relevant to the president of the us to have to visit well i think one thing that um might might be of concern is, is the is argentina last time i checked is an oil based economy and um maybe you know we we're we're trying to open up markets for, we, I think because we're now there, we're an exporter of oil. Maybe there's some trade-related issues or something like that going on. I'm just thinking out loud here. Um, okay, based yeah. The, based upon what I know about Argentina's economy. Argentina is noted for their beef. Uh, I'm That's not, true. I'm not up Major to beef speed exporter. on That's uh, true. I'm not up to speed on their oil aspect, but anybody tied to oil has got serious problems with this plummeting price worldwide. That's true. Uh, and that hurt primarily Venezuela. Right. And then Russia uh, on, on the other side of the globe there. Uh, and it's really hurting Americans, too. I, I have friends who work who used to work up on the north slope of Alaska, and they got laid off a month ago. Well, yeah, in Texas is the same thing. Oil, that oil story is a, is a domestic story in addition, in addition to it being an international story. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, th- thanks for being an intelligent observer here. Uh, we, we <laughs> no appreci- problem. We appreciate every additional two cents you can you can toss on the stack here. Yeah, I continue yeah. to listen to see how I can make sense out of the way you got to connect these dots. I'll be on the sidelines. Yeah. So if we get enough good ideas in the conversation, we'll have a dollar to go out and. <laughs> buy a half That's a cup true. of coffee or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Okay. All right, cool. Well, thank you, sir. Thanks. Thanks. Thank, thank you. All right. Mm. Uh, so I apologize. I thought that was Charles bringing Tim, and so now Charles is left, so I don't know if he's oh, well, gone, gone, or if he's looks like he's still logged in. Looks like he's still logged in. So uh, I did not realize, but it wasn't Tim. Well, okay. anyway, uh, this is what happens in the chats when there's like 15 conversations going on, and all I saw was, what did I see up here? It said, um, well, somebody was yelling at me that they had inf- information about Charles, about Duff. Oh, Charles said about Gordon Duff, Tim has some scuttlebutt on Duff, and Charles I, I, came on and I unmuted him and told him to just jump in if there was anything that he was interested in, <laughs> yeah. you know, expounding on with you. And then guest ten said that Pete was calling you a Nazi, calling her a Nazi or him a Nazi. I mean, tell him to stop. And I was like, really? And then Jameskin said, let's hear about Duff from Charles and guest Tim. And then so I assumed the other one was Tim. So it wasn't Tim. Now Charles is gone. So, I don't know. I said it's Tim Monty, and James said I don't think so, and 
Ken said yes, Ginger, but maybe was talking about something else. Oh. I've just got stuff very confused. So the, this anyway. is the difference between a big budget talk show like uh, Coast to Coast AM or something, where you have paid staff screening all callers so that you know who you're switching on <laughs> when you do. But hey, when I get rich and famous, which probably won't happen, but if say I had a massive endowment, like after we get all our money back from the criminal bankers, I have this fantasy life, you know, of what things would be. I would have like the, you know, the whole thing where I have my sidekick who is sitting in the studio, and I just go, "Could you play clip number twelve, please?" Yeah. Like all the big guys do. Right. And they would have it all queued up, and it would just play and be fabulous sound. And hear That's Charles it. All, back. all queued up and no waiting for buffering or anything like that. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. So Charles is back. Let's Wouldn't see if nice? I can get him unmuted. And Okay. Hi, Charles. Sorry about that mix-up. Uh, we're okay, Ginger uh, and Pete. Um, uh, I got Tim with me here if uh, uh, y'all would like to um, maybe say hi. Hi, Tim. Hi. Yeah, hello, Tim. Hello, hi. Right. Um, Desert Pete and uh, Ginger Cookie. Yeah. Ginger Cookie, who has emailed with you in the past. Yeah, I, I remember when Chuck said uh, Ginger, I you know immediately you know thought it might be you, and uh, I think that you're in Maine, correct? I'm in Maine, and we had a conversation about Maine. That's why I said You're I think Portland? you had a connection to Maine. You're you were in Portland? from northern Maine or something. No, I'm from Bangor right now. Oh, bang, banger, as they say. Banger. <laughs> yes, I know. I won't do the joke right now. Um, yeah, I know. No, my but dad. No, my I dad's grew up, up in northern. My dad's, my dad's up in Fort Kent. Yes, I remembered that because I was from northern Maine, and that's where I hoped to go back to. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's in a he's in a care home up there. He's 98. My god. And Yeah. My father just passed away last year at the age of 94. So all oh, the yeah. all the older guys there, some of them are hanging in there really late though. There's a lot of them in their 90s right now that I know of. So Yeah. Carry on for them. He's what he, he he's one of the oldest up there and he uh I haven't Amazing. spoken to him for about you know, four weeks or so, but, uh, and he was calling me up until a few months ago. He called me quite often and stuff, and and he, you know, talks about stuff out of the 30s like it was last week. Yeah, you know? correct. Yeah, my dad did that. But they, you know, they're, they hung in there as long as they could. And the thing that I kept saying is they're keeping the secrets from World War II, and they believe that that's what they should do. They gave their their promise that they would keep secrets and that's what they did right to the end so. well unfortunately uh unfortunately the real truth of world war Two, who the real perpetrators were and the real reasons behind it is what virtually all world war Two veterans would never ever want to believe and uh Especially what did your, when it comes did your to father serve? Did your father serve in the service? Yeah, he uh, he was in the ninety seven he was in the ninety seventh division, and uh, called the tri the Trident Division because uh, 
most of the members of the division were Maine, Maine, Vermont, and New Hampshire. And uh, so it was the northern New Englanders that made up, you know, the original division as it relates to World War One and then World War Two. Uh, he was he was he was drafted in, in the 97th, and uh, he was uh, in training at uh, Camp Swift, not far outside of Austin, Texas, Bast Bastrop, Texas, which is a major location these days for uh, FEMA and UN vehicles, by the way, and uh, and uh, UN troops uh, training at Bastrop. Uh, that's Camp Swift, which is in still still in use. Oh. But my dad, uh, my dad, during training, he was bitten severely by uh, both scorpions and black widows, and uh, Ouch. he was hop- hospitalized from you know severe you know reactions from it, and he couldn't continue training. So uh, after several months, he was discharged. That's the reason why he. <laughs> probably is still alive because he was in a a pathfinder unit training in a pathfinder unit and it was 12 guys and from what uh he had told me that uh nine of those guys never came back so you know it was pretty high likelihood he might not have made it made it back had he gone over to uh you know it was this in the last uh last three months of the war and so uh Wow. But he still talks about it. He still talks about it like it was, you know, last week, you know. Yep. And uh, then, uh, but I'm from Connecticut because my, 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 see, my mother's from right across the border in Clare, Clare, New yep. Brunswick. That's why I'm in Canada because my mother was Canadian. So that's how I got my citizenship. Didn't even have to swear allegiance to the queen. Well, there's a lot of people, in case uh, those that are listening don't realize that there are a lot of people in Maine that had Canadian parents or were born in Canada because the hospital was in Canada. Um, The border was was just a line on the ground to a lot of us that grew up in northern Maine because you could just easily cross it and come back. You could go grocery shopping in Canada and come back in the afternoon. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the big hospital. Yeah, yeah. The big the big hospital up there is uh, is in Munston, you know, and uh, all these families, all these people, they're all intermarried on both sides of the border. Where yeah. you know, like you say, you know, there 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 there's a there there's a a political border, but you know, there's not a border when it comes to bloodlines. Okay. Well, correct, and, and, the, uh, and the border didn't used to be where it is now, which is the St. John River. That's correct. It was, uh, That's it was correct. above it. <laughs> so these people are all related. Yes, I, I've told that on here before, actually. I've shown pictures of how it looks to look from Madawaska over to the mill, and it looks like it's in the same town. And I said, the mill's in Canada, and that's the town of Madawaska, and it's that close. And I said, the people could throw a rock at their aunt's window in Canada. <laughs> right. And, you know, they have to have a passport to go to dinner. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. Well, do you know the, do you, do you know the name, do you know the name Philip Long up there? Uh, no, I don't. I haven't lived up there for a long time because I, I lived up there until high school. 
Philip oh. Long, he was regarded as the original settler of, of oh. Clare, which is right across the border, right across the river from Fort Kent. Yeah. And uh, he's, uh, uh, Philip Long uh, ended up in Canada because he was a loyalist in Philadelphia and found himself on the so-called losing side of the so-called Revolutionary War, okay, which wasn't quite as revolutionary as what people think, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> and it's, 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 part of what, it's part of what I am fond of always saying, uh, things are not what they seem to be, see. And that, wow. that's why that had something to do, that had something to do with the, the, the border between New Brunswick and, and uh, in Maine, by the way, too, see, and uh, the so-called Revolutionary War. But anyway, uh, he was part of the part of the uh, the losing side that was shipped off from from Philadelphia, where he was in the uh, King's American Regiment. And uh, after the uh, the loss, uh, they were shipped off to uh, Saint John, New Brunswick. So that's how the the long side of my family ended up in Canada, but I'm also a descendant of the of Louis Hebert, uh, who was the ver- the first permanent French settler in New France, who was himself with uh, Samuel de Champlain on his first travels up the St. Lawrence. He was with Samuel de Champlain when uh, Quebec City was founded in uh, July 1608. Are you are so I'm you? A descent- the name is spelled H E B E R T. That's correct. That is um, so a that, family name of my boyfriend as well. They yeah, say that, they say yeah. in northern Maine where where I told you I grew up, we would say a bear. Where he That's grew what I up said, a, in, a bear. Yep, where he grew he up in western Maine and he has that in his family. This is how they pronounce it. Because when he first said it, I said, how the heck do you spell that? And he spelled it exactly the same. He calls it Elbi. No, he says Elbi. I've never heard of that different. pronunciation. It's, it's Beauceville French. It's towards the Quebec side, not the New Brunswick side, you see. Uh, and if they anglicize well, it so people yeah. understand it, they say Hebert. But it's the same yeah. name. It's the same name. And they are from that side. Yeah. They're from the Quebec side. So yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. So it's uh, you know it's uh, quite quite a uh, quite a background that uh, you know family wise that that I have because you know it's, it's in Canadian you know my family background is in Canadian history books you know certainly on the on the on the on the on the French side and you know Scottish side uh, of my family, and then uh, and then the, on the, uh, the white side of my family originates from Waterford, Ireland, when during the height of the potato famine, uh, when my you know great 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 I'm not sure how many greats there, uh, grandfather John. Uh, Emigrated from Waterford, uh, you know, took one of those scary voyages, you know, immigrant ship across the Atlantic, and again landed in St. John, New Brunswick. You know, yeah. that's disembarkation point for a lot, a 
lot of immigrants coming into Canada with St. John. Beautiful, beautiful place. If anybody has not been to uh, eastern Canada, St. John's one of the pretty places, I believe. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. And yeah. also Prince Edward Island and Nova Scotia. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've never had the chance to uh, to go at all, and uh, I haven't been back, you know, to... to uh, that you know, part of the Brunswick. Gee, I haven't been there since 1995, and so uh, I gotta. I'm gonna have to f- figure out how I'm gonna get from Vancouver <laughs> to uh, back there to see my dad. I haven't seen him since 90, 1995. Wow. Hey, you guys. Long time. Yep. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, Charles here. Um, uh, Tim. Um, uh, Ginger and and. Pete here, we're talking recently about Gordon Duff, and I know I've heard you speak about him before, too. I was kind of thinking that might be a good common ground to focus on our general mandate for seeking truth and justice and uh, insight on uh, the evil that we confront here. Yeah, Gordon Duff is a lying fraud. Are we all agreed on that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I that, I don't know whether that, uh, everything is a lie or not. I've heard that a lot of it is, but I don't know. That's that's kind of a well, point brush remark. Well, I have because a lot, lot of information li- on Gordon Liars Duff. come in all flavors and levels, so can you be a little more specific? Well, uh, he's, he's a liar when it goes right back to his military career. Let's put it that way. I have his military record. Okay. And uh, he... he he is he he has really glossed things up considerably. Let's put it that way, okay. And uh, he's a proven liar many many times over. Uh, he uh, uh, I don't know. I'd have to. What's your uh, email address, uh, Pete? Uh, well, we, we don't I have give, a lot of. If you have Ginger's address. Just shoot it to her. We don't give out personal addresses on on the talk show here. Okay, no problem. Uh, but uh, but uh, you can do it. Yeah, uh, let me it, throw you know, it. Do it in the do it in the background here, off off air. And but uh, uh, I've been tangling with Gordon Duff going back probably ten years. Okay, and well, uh, you, you and many others. And uh, yeah, a few things sounded suspicious to me too. Uh, where he's suddenly getting my attention is he's and my specialty in the last ten years at least has been in alternative energy, and so I'm looking at a lot of different technologies. And this physicist yeah. suddenly appeared on the scene about five years ago in the name of Meron Kesh, and yeah. we're all scra- scratching our heads about him. Uh, I uh, I pegged him. I pegged him for a a fraud. I'm not sure uh, at what level and in all respects, but uh, it just didn't. He didn't pass my smell test several years ago. Okay. Too many. uh, uh, I've I've heard that from many different directions, Tim. So so I'm I'm not new to this scene. Uh, but I've yeah. also encountered some bold-faced liars on the skeptic end that want to make yeah. anybody who's just doing some research and development on something look like a fraud from square one, and that's wrong because my company is doing R&D on some legitimate technologies, 
and people have called me a fraud just for poking my nose around this technology. And I resent well, that. Well, I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. And yeah. it's really a psychology thing. And you have to and you have to educate yourself on both sides yeah. to figure out who the hell's saying what, you know, uh, so you can really determine, so you could really, really determine uh, if there are, you know, uh, you know, real kernels of truth and all of all of the chaff that is that is generated, you know. Yeah. And uh, well, I I and haven't this, seen this, anybody with enough money to truly investigate cash or to take the initiative to do it, and it looks like Gordon Duff is the first one to do both: spend some money investigating cash and actually fly over to the other side of the world and and talk to the guy. Uh, so that's giving that's showing Duff with with an ounce of credibility here. Now his military well, background. Well, unfortunately, un- unfortunately, it's Duff. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it was okay. somebody else doing it, then I'd be placing some kind of credibility, depending on who that somebody else would be. But Duff involved, that's a problem. Uh, point well taken. No, no argument there. Uh, now, yeah. I've, I've just got to focus attention here. The military background, I'm completely non-military myself. It, may, it means nothing to me. I, I wouldn't know one credential from another in military. Uh, yeah. What does concern me about about Duff, when he gets on uh, the rent show and spins big tales about his successes and whatnot, which, granted, may all be 100% fluff for all I know, he does claim well, to be. I could show you. Yeah, I could show you eleven different versions of his bio. Okay, here's one that gets my <laughs> attention because I had to work with with this field myself. He claims to be a big defense contractor. Now, I used to work for Lockheed. I used to work for Lockheed, no so such, I understand defense contractors. There is no such thing contract. as Atomus. There is no such thing as Atomus Group. It's complete fiction. Now, is that the name of his company? Atomus Group, yeah. Okay. Supposedly I... headquartered in Switzerland. It's complete bullshit. And who else investigated this was Wayne Madsen. Complete bullshit. It's fiction. Wayne Madsen investigated Gordon Duff? Wayne Madsen, uh, among others. And okay. Wayne Madsen has, 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 you know, real, real good stuff on Duff. And I've confronted Duff directly to his face. And, and Rents was in the thread also, and along with a bunch of other of these phonies at, at, the, at the inappropriately named veterans today, okay? And, and, I've, and I've, 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 I've stuck it right in their faces directly, and I caught Duff directly, stuck it in his face, and he, there was absolutely no response because he was busted cold, Okay. I'm a Vietnam vet. He's he's a Vietnam vet. He was in Vietnam. He was at Da Nang. Okay, he wasn't. He was in the Marines for a total of eighteen months. He was in Vietnam for a total of one year, and he was no sniper. He was a freaking clerk for eight months. Gordon Duff, the clerk. You know, yeah. I have his record. See. Okay. Uh-huh. Got You gotta also. Y'all also have to wonder why the hell would veterans today have their their it their website server two hundred yards north of the border with Mexico in a warehouse? 
Don't you think that's kind of odd? I find a lot of things odd that I hear about. R- run Somebody that by me again. What about was... where the server is. The server, the server for veterans today, uh, I investigated myself, and I also came across information that somebody else investigated uh, on the Internet. It was posted on the Internet. Uh, when you do a who is search on their URL, I found out that their server for the website was in a warehouse 200 yards north of the border with New Mexico, with with Mexico, 200 yards north of the border. Why would they have their server 200 yards north of the Mexican border? Does he appear to be hiring a hosting service, or do they own the actual server? I don't know. That 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 doesn't uh, come up when you're yeah, doing a uh, because uh, who is uh, who is yeah well but does, it, there's too there's too many there's too many when you start looking at, at you know all the bits and pieces in the background and you start to you know form a picture there's a lot of veterans today uh, that is made up of pure disinformation misinformation misdirection uh, and actually. Uh, plagiarized information uh, that is posted by people with bogus names, okay, like this fictional nuclear engineer, uh, nuclear physicist by the name of Jeff Smith, which is a bogus name, who has been plagiarizing uh, almost word for word information about nuclear weapons written by a guy by the name of Simon Gunson out of New Zealand. I caught I caught I caught the guy at it and I caught Duff at it posting it on Veterans Today. I got the information, I put a report together, I contacted the guy in New Zealand, because coincidentally enough, I had read the same information in an article six months before authored by this guy Simon Gunson, and here's the exact information posted up on Veterans Today by a guy claiming to be a nuclear physicist who happens to be a long ponytailed anarchist living in Minneapolis by the name of Jeff Prager. Okay? I got him all busted cold. See? So there's there's too there's too much stuff on veterans today that is, you know, it, there's a bunch of things that we all know to be true all mixed up with a bunch of other stuff with all different kinds of slant on it written by people who themselves are various levels of misinformation artists disinformation artists or frauds using bogus names see all right uh, and point extremely well taken to mix a little bit of truth in with the lie uh gains credibility with with people who should know better and desert Pete maybe not absolutely here yeah. Uh, I, I haven't I haven't used uh, veterans today for a source, and I've tangled with a number of people on uh, on veterans today. I don't have a problem tangling with somebody when I know that they're putting out outright bullshit for whatever reason. Yeah, you know. Um, and Duff knowingly puts out bullshit knowingly. Okay, and 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 some of the stuff that he writes 
is so outlandishly wrong, it's just not even funny, you know? Well, he's admitted in an interview that half the stuff on his site is a is a complete lie. So uh, you should so you should use Gordon Duff as a source. That's what I question people. So you should use Gordon Duff as a source, right? Okay. He's a, he's an admitted liar, okay? So if he's admit he's admitting that he's lying, okay, then you got to look into his background, which turns out to be Lie after lie after lie. You, you wait, wait till you see some stuff that I could send you, okay? And, uh, and it'll be the end. Of, it'll be the end of the conversation about Gordon Duff. Okay. Now, for those of us who didn't know some of the thing, some of the facts you're revealing tonight, uh, I still have to defend my position of of making references on my website and even here on this talk show to to some of the things sure. Gordon Duff has posted because. Uh, the items I posted listing veterans today only because Gordon did a better job of wordsmithing than I could uh, is why I referenced him. But I also confirmed the story elsewhere. And so that means I found the little half-truths that uh, that he was posting. And now I have to come well, back yeah, to... Well, yeah, you got to find out where the information is that you know, he yeah. was looking at. Okay, now now let me, and uh, you know, I hate the term devil, devil's advocate, just let me, <laughs> po- let me possibly give an excuse here for some areas that look shady that might actually not be shady. Uh, I worked at Lockheed. I worked in very secure areas of Lockheed. And I know how real defense contractors have to work on some things. When you are dealing with, were you in, were you in Palmdale? Uh, at one time, primarily, uh, most of the time it was down in Burbank. Okay. But when uh, when a real defense contractor has to do something that's extremely classified, they bounce their ID all over the place using completely unlabeled buildings. And any correspondence yeah. that needs to go to that unlabeled building is addressed to a P.O. box in another town. And somebody in an unmarked vehicle checks that mail every day and takes a different route delivering the mail back to that unlabeled building. So if something that's that's really classified has to go through the mail it goes to this stupid post office box in another town but then miraculously shows up at a building that doesn't even have a label on it. That's how real the contractors work. I think that type of yeah, I think that type of security system started during the Manhattan Project. Well, precisely. And I have relatives that worked in that and taught me some things on that that, that will shake you to the core. But... Uh, uh, so, as far as having a server down on the Mexican border, yeah, that does look a little sh- shady there. And if you say it's it's that physically close to the border, that adds even more concern. I got to tell you about something I just dealt with lately. I'm I'm trying to find legitimate clean money on startup for R and D in my own company, and somebody introduces me to a a 
an alleged banker and oh yeah we want to wire money to you and then here's our, our our bank's website and this proves that we're legit and you look at the website and oh yeah they offer all checking and all the various services you see with the bank and I'm thinking okay this may be legit but I quickly did a web search for the name of this supposed bank and up came the name of that bank. Oh, great, except that the search engine sent me to a different URL than the one that this person gave me. I then compared the two and realized one was a phony site. So I looked up the location of, as you did, as you do, the, the who is search. Okay, who owns that exact domain that I now see is spelled just a little differently than the real bank? Oh, okay, this other odd name person has registered this domain. Well, let's see where he's located at. And you see the registrar's address, and I traced it down. And my business, by the way, is located in Las Vegas, so it was pretty easy to check. That business claiming to be a Swiss bank was running their website from an empty warehouse in North Las Vegas. Uh, not quite real. So you're right. Uh, web URLs, man, if you aren't spelled exactly, you're not talking to the same person. That's correct. And I oh. do a lot of research by doing who is, and that's a lot of basis for when I begin to really, you know, find out who somebody is and, you know, what I can find on somebody. And I'm researching and I do a lot of, uh, a lot of work using uh, who is who is dot com is what I usually you know yeah. use. Oh, definitely. And that's, uh, that's how to check it out. And I and I also do a lot of uh, IP tracing, and so uh, I find out and and then you know certain message you know certain message groups and whatnot. You know, I'll I'll start researching who somebody is and find out. A lot of open source information that is out there that if you know how to find it, it's it's there to find. If you're familiar with uh, IP tracing and emails, have you observed the same thing I have lately? That uh, Google is masking the point of origination IP from all of their Gmail accounts? Well, they've been doing that ever since the beginning, and it's you can't... Uh, uh, you can't figure out where a Gmail is coming from. Okay, it's been that that's way it. From the beginning. Because I, I've gotten emails I know was coming from a fraudster in Nigeria, and yeah, well, I checked it, every. Yeah, I, don't I, even, go ahead. I, I don't even open that shit anymore because uh, I use uh, Yahoo, and I could put my cursor over the sender, and I could see the, the sender email address. Without opening the email, without clicking anything, I just put the cursor over over the sender, and I could see the email address, who who it's sending, and and I would say ninety percent of the time, the sender email address is not who the the the, the printed sender is. Okay, and yeah. uh, well, that, and, that, I, and then that way there, I can I can. I can I can block email addresses and everything, and I can see. And a lot of times, I'm getting this kind of stuff within minutes of what I'm sending out as a report, or minutes of what I happen to be researching on a certain website. Okay, 
So this kind of stuff coming into my uh, into my spam, mostly into my spam, but sometimes into my inbox, happening in a matter of minutes, it, it, it is definitely the intel crowd talking to me, letting me know that we're watching what you're doing, okay? We're watching your keystrokes, literally, okay? And we know what, you know, we know what you're doing. You, we know who you're communicating with and all this other stuff. So, you know, I have no no uh, naivete when it comes to uh, surveillance. I've been dealing with this for many, many, many years. Yeah. Dealing well, with it in Denver, okay? I've, I've picked up right. bits, and, bits and pieces of, of expertise myself, but what, what's really bumming me out lately is when you get a new business contact introduced to you, and I want to see, well, where's his email coming from? Is he really in the country he's claiming to be in? If it's a Gmail account, I don't know. I can't trace that. Because every Gmail account is always telling me, oh, that's your local IP. Bullshit. That's, uh, excuse the vulgarity there, but baloney, that was... uh, I know this is coming from a foreign country. I just got to know who, and and the Gmail won't let me know what country it came from. No, they've been masking origin ever since Gmail started, as far as I know. And I've got a, Boy. I've got a, I've got a Gmail email, but uh, I don't use it. And I've got you know seven or eight Yahoo IDs, and I got a Hotmail ID. I can't stand Hotmail. I just have a Hotmail ID just so I can have yeah. a, a, a verifying email address you yeah. know, for opening up I forgot about Hotmail. I bet I have Hotmail, and I bet that I have mail in it from like 10 years ago. Since yeah. I, yeah, since I own I a couple of I don't think they ever get rid of it. I think they leave it there. If you don't open it again and you forget about it, I think it's still sitting there somewhere. That's, that's right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I remember, I remember all of my... Uh, all of my passwords and everything, so you know, know I can always access it. I just I just don't use Hotmail. I can't stand it, and I don't like Gmail. I don't like the way the page setup is for Gmail. To me, Yahoo is far easier to use, far easier to set up. And it's a lot more user yeah. friendly, and I don't have problem getting stuff sent out. Where you know some stuff I send out, you know I'm getting stuff bouncing back on Hotmail or AOL, AOL specifically. And uh, I get a lot of spam that's originating through AOL, okay? And so there's something going on with AOL, and I've been getting a lot of this stuff ever since I started communicating with somebody in Connecticut who happens to have an uh, AOL address. And uh, this, uh, this individual, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I own a couple of domains myself, so I just use my own domain mail server, and that really adds credibility when uh, when somebody from company XYZ has an email that says Charlie at XYZ. Well, okay, now that things are matching here, and of course it's yeah. going to have a header with an IP that I can track and see. Oh, yeah, you are coming from the proper country or or whatnot. I have uh, some pages yeah. that were hosted out in California, and I'm not in California, but they were out there. Oh, yeah, on the server. Have, yeah, hmm. yeah. You can have stuff hosted anywhere, but you know. Yeah. Uh, well, that that's why I asked about is is Duff hiring another hosting service because, yeah, I'm physically sitting near Death Valley, California, but I'm hiring a hosting service that 
they park their servers over in Pennsylvania. So if you did an IP search on one of the domains I own, it's going to show up that it's it's coming, it's originating out of Pennsylvania. Well, okay, uh, that's where it's being served from. But yeah, the internet can get funny. Uh, and, Are you and very really far from Antelope things. Valley? Pardon? Are you very far from Antelope Valley? About a hundred miles north. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's a fairly large area over there. <laughs> Uh, oh, I yeah. say down 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 your way, so you know it's it's big enough to where you know it easily can be a hundred miles you know between points. It just doesn't seem that far sometimes because uh, there's so much area, broad area, and you know, a lot of interesting stuff going on at uh, China Lake. A lot of interesting stuff over the years. Uh, well, yeah, that, that's another story. So Ginger and I both have to laugh. She's she <laughs> she's observing a military base on the east coast, and I'm <laughs> observing one here on the west coast. So, uh, Which one are you observing, Ginger? Well, it's uh, mostly the airport in Bangor, but on one end are the maniacs, the refuelers, and we have things like you know the cargo planes and the humongous the great big ones um, although not that Deep often but Desert Pete was very excited when I was telling him we had an Antonov come in last year um, yeah that was you know, the big just six that engine. kind of thing mostly like you know like the FedEx and the little private ones and I used to go out there and take down all the numbers and come home and try to find out who they were because I wanted to know, and a lot of them were bankers just traveling around in the small ones. Yeah. But yeah. Um, And I grew up near Loring, but Loring's no longer operating. Loring is now a big commercial, like... Yeah, I know. I know. I think they're hiding stuff up there they're doing, though. So that'll be interesting if I move up there because I'll have to hear from all my friends what's going on up there. I know they have a job corps working up there. They have um, uh, refurbishing of um, equipment. I don't know if they're still doing the Humvees, but that's what they were doing for a long time. They were taking them. Well, they were doing, they were doing more them. than Humvees. They were also doing yeah. armored vehicles, too. Yeah, yeah. So we'd see them on flatbed trucks sometimes going through because um, we live near the interstate, so we see things traveling by truck. Yeah. I just see a lot of stuff just because of where I am, that's all. Not really monitoring yeah. per se, but if something, like say if I was sitting here and I heard a bunch of uh, fighter jets flying over my house, I would say something's going on because I'm hearing fighter jets and we just don't hear them that often anymore. So I'd know something's going yeah. on. Yeah. See, If it's yeah. once every four months, you know something's going on. Um, yeah. And we, the other thing that's changed since, I, I've been in this, I've been in Bangor since 19... 69, um, and it, the airport was very busy back then, 24 hours a day. Um, and there was a lot of military stuff going on then, too. So we saw lots of stuff. Our kids loved it. We used to go out and sit out there, have a picnic, and watch the after, you know, the when they took off and you'd see the afterburners come on. They loved that. That was like, you know, going to fireworks or something. And people in Bangor loved going to the airport and just hanging out because it was so cool. It was always busy. You know, I saw the Concorde, yeah. I saw all kinds of stuff. Well, um, the thing that I've noticed in the last few years is that we don't hear noise at night. I think there's a noise-canceling technology that they're using so that we don't hear things as they move through in the middle of the night 
because occasionally I'll be awake and I can hear it kind of muffled. But I'm close enough to the airport that if there's anything loud like jets, like fighters, they would, in the old days, they'd rattle you right out of bed. They were that loud. Uh-huh. And um, yeah. there are some jets that occasionally I hear um, because I happen to be awake. It's usually around 3 in the morning. There will be a jet that sounds unusual to me because it's not like the old days when we'd hear the other ones. It takes off so fast that you only hear it a few seconds. <laughs> you don't even hear well, it bangers, going away. Bangers, you just hear yeah, it gone. Banger is the eastern east. Banger is the easternmost international airport in the United States. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's yeah, yeah, and so that that's why it's a it's a it's a prime it's a prime des it's a prime destination for uh for a lot of reasons actually <laughs> beyond passengers well, well I like keep saying you know it sounds like well you know because you have a connection to maine but to to the general people that I ever talked to they're like, yeah, you're in maine, what difference does that make Maine has a lot going on that precisely because people discount it like you're not anywhere whoever goes there. Some people don't even know where Maine is. Um, they don't realize that it's sitting in a strategic place, and it has been strategic, like, for a long time, oh. like, since the 30s or 40s. Um, and so there's just, you know, there's folklore that people tell you, and it's like, oh, yeah, and then the, remember that time when the, you know, the German camps were up there, and it's like, huh? And they start talking about the German prisoners of war and how they used to work in the fields, and they'd be working all around in town and, Bringing their culture and singing, and then they'd go back well, to the their same way, same way with Colorado. Same way oh, with Colorado. They had several uh, prisoner war camps in Colorado, and uh, yeah. I mean they they had German prisoner of war going out in in uh, in gangs going out into the forest cutting wood. You know, yeah, they thought they, they were, were they at were home. Blended they in. thought they were at home in Bavaria. Yeah, that's know? how it was here too. And then there was the time when uh, I guess there were two Russian spies who came ashore. They were wet. They came ashore down, I believe it was in Cassine, down where Maine Maritime Academy is. That's where it is. But down in that area somewhere, one of the small towns, they were walking along the road, and one of the locals noticed them because, of course, they didn't look like they belonged there. They were like, who are these guys, right? (laughs) I mean, it's just there's a lot of stuff that's happened in Maine that's just, it's mind blowing. You know, it's not like uh out in the middle of the country somewhere. We're on the edge and so we see a lot of stuff. Um You ever been you know, yeah, and then there's there. Walker's Point. Yeah, you know. But that's way down in the southern part. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah, and, there's uh, you know, there's just there's a lot of interesting stuff and I'm hoping to connect with some more people down in the southern part of the state because the internet <laughs> you know we meet people now but there are people that i just i really want to meet that live in other parts of maine and just you know hear what they have to say about where they grew up because it's different a little bit different everywhere yeah within maine maine is just a really interesting odd place <laughs> uh so tim dragon dragon uh, uh finish your point go ahead that was another thing uh, earlier. Uh, we were talking about Duff. Here's another thing you can Google. That's another thing that's uh, easy to pull up a lot of information. Is why would Gordon Duff have George Tennant on speed dial? 
Just have Google. Who just Google. Who is it? George Tenet. George oh. Tenet was CIA director during 9-11, okay? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I pulled out the just, book one just, night, and I was reading something out of it to say what he wrote in his book that was amazing to me. He Because the thing about books, they can't change them because they're already printed. And it was something he said in there that was interesting. Now, who the heck did he say he met coming out of the White House the next morning? He was surprised to see him. I took that as significant. Because if you're surprised to see somebody that you would see in the normal course of your work, but you're surprised to see them on the morning of September 12th, early in the morning, as you're headed into the White House, but now I can't remember who it was. Um, Those are just little things uh, that stick in my mind. Like I say, you can Google this. Just Google why does George why why does Gordon Duff have George Tenet on speed dial? Just Google exactly that, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that pulls up. Oh, interesting. Did you know George Tenet has a twin? No, I, I didn't. Believe did you I know that George? Did you know that George? Did you know that George Tenet is a knight of Malta? Um, no, I don't think so, but I wouldn't be surprised if anybody, you could tell me that about anybody and I wouldn't be surprised because there's a lot of that stuff where they have their different associations and societies they belong to. Did you know one, yeah, did you know one of Jay Leno's friends is, uh, Knights of Malta? That, that, that crowd gets around. Which friend is that? Uh, one of his car buddies. No, I wouldn't doubt that at all. Uh, uh, so Knights of Malta Knights of Malta are really the ones that pulled off 9-11 you know uh, there's a whole long list there's a so whole long there's stories. a long list of Knights of Malta who are in key positions in fact uh, what a, a name that has really got me concerned uh, the last few days I mean I'm a Trump supporter but the list of names that was released the other day by Trump or Trump organization, the, the names that are close around Trump uh, as advisors, the name that popped off the page at me was Joseph E. Schmitz. Does that name ring a bell? No. No. Joseph, Joseph E. Schmitz was the inspector general at the Pentagon under Donald Rumsfeld, and it was under his watch, under Schmitz's watch, that $2.3 trillion went missing that Rumsfeld was talking about on September 10th. We seem to have $2.3 trillion missing, and we don't know where it is. Well, I just yesterday, and I forget who the source was, but they made the allegation that the trillions that Rumsfeld mentioned is exactly what went into creating Blackwater and and the well, mercenary group. $2.3 trillion would create a whole bunch of Blackwaters. Well, Blackwater okay. is a pretty big organization, and Eric well, Prince, not for two point three trillion dollars, I could assure you, Pete. Well, uh, don't, don't forget Eric the, Prince. Eric Prince is a knight of Malta himself. And I, okay. as I was about to say, Eric Prince, the founder of Blackwater, has relocated himself over to a glitzy place Dubai. In, uh, in Dubai. He's in, he's, he's in Dubai. That's yeah. right. Uh, which now raises 
my own question about Keshe. Now, if, if you heard the early part of the story, one part of Keshe's technology has just been proven true. So I'm not going to write the guy off as a fraud, but good grief, just like Billy Graham may have preached some good doctrine from the pulpit, he surrounded himself with Masons, and I have to raise questions about that. Uh, he was a 33rd degree Mason himself. Well, that's another allegation I have yet to see proven. No, it's not It's not an allegation. It's a fact. He was a 33rd degree Mason. I'll show and, you, I'll show what, you, photo, I'll show you photographs. I'll show you photographs. I've seen the photograph. Of, it didn't prove anything. Of, he was present at a Mason meeting that didn't prove anything. My own father no, hated no, no, Masons. No, 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 oh, no, no, Masonic, Billy Graham's Masonic hand grips, that's a different story. Well, I, with multiple people, okay, including well, Ronald Reagan, who himself was a, was a Mason and a Knight of Malta. We're going to have to agree to disagree on the handshake comment, too, because uh, the, the, when you shake hands with a stranger, what are you supposed to do with your hands? And depending on the camera you, angle, any kind of a handshake but, comes off looking no, like no, a Masonic handshake. No, 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 I disagree. Completely disagree. I've been doing this for many years, Pete. Many years. Okay. I can't be BS'd on it. Period. I've had to I have these people come into my life that are above the thirty third degree in Denver. Above the thirty third degree. Okay, there are degrees above the thirty third degree. Well then that means they're a Shriner. A 33rd degree is Shriner, but I'm talking degrees above the 33rd degree. No, 33rd degree is Mason. You graduate from Masons into Shriners, and then you've got another 360 degrees to go through on that. Well, the European degrees of of uh, of, of uh, Scottish Rite is is different than uh, uh, Misram degrees, and okay. then you can get into you know even more secret super societies that are Masonic. Like well, the 99 Lodge, the 99 Lodge, for instance. Okay, let, let, let's let's back up three or four points here in our conversation as to uh, Knights of Malta and just how disaster they, how bad they are. Uh, I won't credit any single group for pulling off 9/11. That was obviously a conspiracy of several groups pulling that off. Uh, now, you're welcome to point out a lot of Knights of Malta people involved up in the high end. I won't argue with you a bit on that. They are a nasty group. But they colluded with too many others here. And there's some yeah, really... That they, that they that they ultimately control, because all the control comes right out of Rome. It doesn't come from Tel Aviv. All roads lead to Rome. They don't lead to Tel Aviv. Okay. Yeah, no. So back up. Are are you tying some of Duff's activities with Knights of Malta? Uh, considering the stuff that he attacks with outright lies, disinformation, uh, and smears, and and ridicule, and his smart-alecky, know-it-all, uh, you know, uh, attitude, uh you know the the fact that uh, he will he will uh, attack when it comes to uh 
exposing the Vatican, exposing the Jesuits, Knights of Malta, except there's a woman uh, now uh, who is writing some articles on Veterans Today. Uh, what's her name? I'll think of her. Catherine Frisk. And she's written a few good articles. She's been doing some good research. Uh, and she's been, you know, exposing uh, some very interesting information in regards to the Vatican, Knights of Malta. She was writing an article about Scalia, okay, why Scalia ended up dead. And uh, this started with uh, what Duff was coming up with, okay, and tying this into a, a pedophile network, Republican pedophile network, okay, which is supposedly what Cibola Ranch, uh, Cibola Creek Ranch was uh, supposedly a uh, Republican hangout for pedos. And so the whole reason why Scalia is dead because, you know, it was a big pedophile get-together for the Republicans, according to Duff, okay? But the real reason why Scalia is dead was on order of the Pope because Scalia was directly, directly against four major cornerstone agenda items for the Vatican, okay? And that would be global warming, Illegal immigration or illegal alien invasion, I call it, uh, uh, pro-Second Amendment, and uh, uh, pro-life, okay? Now, all of those, all of those things uh, are against uh, the Vatican agenda, number one being global warming fraud, global warming hoax that is getting stuffed down everybody's throat under Agenda 21, or as they're calling it now, Agenda 2030, according to, uh, you know, when the Pope showed up at the Vatican and laid out the new agenda, uh, his talk at the UN was the post-2015 agenda. That was the title of his program at the UN. That's when the whole thing brought up was brought up about uh, the 2030 agenda, agenda, agenda 2030, I should say. And uh, so when the Pope issued an encyclical on global warming, okay, and partnered up with Obama, and Obama was trying to jam uh, uh, global warming agenda of the Obama administration down on the American people, uh, Scalia cast a dissenting vote and, and turned it down and, and stalled the implementation of Obama's Agenda 21 plan, which actually is the Pope's Agenda 21 plan, okay? So... That's, that, that was a big black mark against Scalia. That was four days before he ended up, uh, uh, five days before he ended up dead at Cibola Creek. And the second uh, thing was that he was very much in line with the, uh, uh, with the Arizona uh, State House and, the gov- and Governor Brewer against, and, and, and uh, Sheriff uh, Joe Apayo. Uh, with uh, you know against the illegal immigration uh, uh, invasion uh, in Arizona, and he was ruling in favor of Arizona and ruling in favor of Brewer and ruling in favor of those that are fighting you know illegal alien invasion. See, that's another Vatican agenda to flood the country with Roman Catholics under under the Marxist plan of uh, Vatican II uh, liberation theology. See, that's what's driving. The illegal alien invasion. That's a that's a Vatican agenda. Again. Well you're again, you're not you're folks, not denying Scalia's affiliation with the pedophilia group, are you? 
because that has uh, been confirmed. You're, talk, you're, talking about, you're talking about the International Order of St. Hubertus, the yeah. group of, of uh, elite hunters, as they would call, uh, that were meeting at Cibola Creek. Well, guess who the Lord Protector is of the International Order of St. Hubertus? Probably a Knights of Malta. Interna- well, he is go, a Knight of ahead. Malta. But I'm, he's, I'm guessing. He's, go ahead. He's, he is a Knight of Malta. The Lord Protector is a Knight of Malta, but he's he is King Juan Carlos of Spain. Okay, he's okay. the Lord Protector, and and uh, and like I say, three things that uh, that Scalia was steadfast against were agenda items that are at the top of the list for the Vatican for implementation. And he was against that. See, he made he made the grave error, and I don't think that he was a member of Opus Dei. Although a lot of people are saying that he was absolutely a member, but uh, I haven't seen anything where he positively was a member of, of Opus Dei. But I don't think it had anything to do with a pedophile network. The real reasons were, were exactly what I was saying. The thing, the thing that sealed his coffin was he ruled against the implementation of Agenda 21, global warming fraud, on the American people. He stalled that. And I don't know where it's, it's, it's sitting in limbo right now. Right. Uh, um, the, uh, the Vatican push for global warming didn't happen with the prior pope. It happened with this Jesuit pope. That's right. That oh, real, that's the real big push. And, and, you, and when you look at you have to look at the encyclical issued by Pope Francis, the encyclical on global warming. You have yeah. to look at that. All right. But as far as Scalia's ties to pedophilia, that got proven when Sterling Allen's computer got cracked open. Sterling Allen was... Scalia's, a name, Scalia's name popped up on a list that, you know, he was a, a participant in some of these activities. Sterling Allen is a confessed pedophile. I have to Yeah, I know. I have to admit I have met the person. His personal life was not apparent in his professional life, but facts are facts. And when the FBI arrested him and opened up his computer, they found correspondence with Justice Scalia. That tied the correspondence on his computer obviously discussing pedophilic topics with Justice Scalia that nailed Scalia to the wall as being a pedophile. I have no reason to correspond with with Justice Scalia on anything. Uh, Somehow or another, Sterling Allen did, got personal email, and that is what exposed everything. Now, that's the little shred of truth that is coming out of Gordon Duff. Uh, Now... Jumping over to Abel Danger, Abel Danger posted a story claiming that one of the pedophile victims slit Scalia's throat. Nah, it's bullshit. Uh, and Scalia uh, was poisoned. I, I'm 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 absolutely convinced that Scalia was poisoned. Somebody slipped him some type of poison. Uh, it certainly didn't have to be a non-detectable poison if the. Uh, yeah. If well, the plan was that uh, there would be no autopsy, whether uh, whether Scalia was uh, uh, was uh, cremated or not, that that's another question that I don't think has been fully resolved. 
but it was obvious that considering what happened after Scalia was was quote unquote found dead, uh, the 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 plan was already uh, was already you know set in place as how this how everything was going to be handled after his death, and I believe that his death was by poison. Uh, no. Point well taken because anybody else visiting the scene of the crime, if there was a slit throat, there would have been massive blood everywhere. And there was yeah, no that's, that's, that. complete, that, that's complete BS. Uh, so that's unlikely unless somebody had the maid come in and do a fast cleanup there. But nah, uh, nah. Uh, the trademark of Knights of Malta is the poison cup. Jesuits, I should say. Is they yeah, the, they love to use Borgia. the poison cup. The Borgia cup. Um Yeah, that's a point taken. Um Again we gotta go back and I'm I'm trying to focus here on Duff because I'm I'm trying to discern which half of his story is true and which half is baloney. Uh he does do a pretty good job of exposing Mossad, who I know is guilty of sin on a lot of stuff. Uh, so I got to credit Duff for at least mentioning Mossad when the major media, Zionist own, would never say anything against Mossad. Uh, now well, your Mossad, point is your your Tim. Your point is also extremely well taken when you bring up Jesuits because. I don't know if you looked at our chat board earlier. A fella came on, guest eight, who just wanted to blame the Jews for everything. And I say, well, yeah, I know there's bad guys there. Mossad is is one of them. But uh, you can't look at a single enemy in the world. There's too many of them. Uh, as, as we walk through life, there's snipers in every tree. And each sniper has yeah, a little different... Have- yeah, yeah, each each sniper has look, a little, you have, little. Go ahead. You have to look at who controls all of them. Okay, it it it, it goes to the top of the pyramid. Okay. Well, it's, everything, every everything, every, everything has a pyramidal form. It's okay? not. Well, th- this is where we kind of disagree. It's not always the same brand of sniper up in different trees, and That's you have correct. to pay attention to all these different titles that may have a common theme, their common theme is to shoot you, but they're getting orders from different lower-level generals. Now, I'm, yeah, I'm with you. I always want to find out who's really up at the top. Well, as a born-again Christian, it's Satan is up at the top. So we know that, but I can't really confront Satan directly. Uh, I've got biblical mandates. Luciferians at the top. Yeah. And I got a biblical mandate to never talk to Satan directly. Uh, Michael the Arch- Archangel was brave enough or intelligent enough to uh, to simply say, "The Lord rebu- rebuke you," and and not do any uh, railing accusations directly against Satan. Uh, but now we're getting off into the theology. Just getting back to the basic issue: how are we gonna, how are we good guys going to survive here when we got snipers in every tree, and each sniper is wearing a different color uniform? And then uh, when you get out of the tree, you uh, you're walking through minefields. Well, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, well worded. It's, uh, um, 
I tend to think my middle name at times is Sucker Punch. Uh, Do you live in Las Vegas or lost wages, as they no, I'm, I'm saying? No, I'm in a tiny town out, outside of Death Valley right now due, due to right, the yeah, economy. Death Valley. Okay. Cheapest yeah. real estate in the country. But <laughs> nobody wants to live here except sun spiders and rattlesnakes. But uh, I used to do business with a fellow in Las Vegas when I was in Denver. I send him all my all of my stuff for laser engraving. He had a laser engraving studio about 20 miles west of Las Vegas. Except uh, Bill had a day job uh, before he retired, and that was uh, working for EG&G. And uh, I'm sure you heard of those guys. EG&G. Uh, no, I haven't. I gotta confess ignorance on a lot of stuff. E G N G. You've heard of the? Uh, uh, you ever heard of Janet Airlines in Las Vegas? Mm, no. Okay. You've heard of Area Fifty One? Certainly. Oh, are they the transport E-G-N-G. group that flies the technicians from Vegas out to Fifty One? Well, E G N G was running Area Fifty One. Okay. E G N G also. Uh, runs all of the Nellis ranges and all of the telemetry equipment that that uh, electronically monitors all of the Nellis ranges that's that's all EGNG out of uh, Sandia Labs out of uh, Albuquerque out of uh, Kirtland Air Force Base mm, okay yeah but uh Bill, who did all my laser engraving, he worked on the F-117 project. He's an electronics technician. And uh, used to uh, do all the laser engraving for all of the Thunderbirds, plaques, uh, all of the the pilots that would show up for the red flag meets and gun smoke meets at Nellis and uh, a lot of other stuff. So... uh, yeah, very interesting, uh, very interesting guy, and uh, very interesting things going on at uh, at Nellis that uh, are not exactly uh, terrestrial in origin. Yeah, but uh, if I'm focusing, if I have to boil it down to two groups, it looks to me like. A thousand years of bad news has been a collusion between the Zionists and the Jesuits. And back well, and forth, good okay. cop, bad cop, each one blaming the other, while while the other well, pulls off a stunt for them? Well, it's, the Jesuits have created Zionism, so they, they, can, they control their, yeah, well, their okay. creation. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go with and, that, depending on what time and, frame, whatever. Yeah, um, and uh, well, you know, everybody's saying that the the, the uh, you know the planet is run by the Rothschilds. Well, you know, the excuse me, but Jesuits were in existence somewhere uh, in the order of uh, you know 250 years, 300 years before the Rothschilds ever came along, and uh, the Jesuits uh, were anything? boasting about controlling China. Back in the 1700s. That's correct. 
That's correct. Now jump way ahead to Mao Zedong, and somehow or another Mao Zedong buys a Jewish-written philosophy called Communism, written by Marx. What? Which is authored, which was actually, which was actually authored by a series of Jesuit priests who were mentoring Karl Marx at the British Library in London. Okay, you got a little further background than I, than I found, but the point, the, my, my question, and and you just gave the answer to my question. Why would a Chinaman? Completely different language, completely speaking language, written language, everything completely different. A whole different world between Israel and China. Completely different cultures. Why in the world would would a Chinaman buy into a philosophy written by a Jew? Makes no sense at all. And I pointed it in the uh, chat. Because word. It, because because it is because it is Jesuit Hegelianism at work. Okay, that's one one side of Jesuit-controlled Hegelian dialecticalism. One side is communism, which was created by the Jesuits in the reductions of Paraguay between the years 1600 and 1750. They created communism, okay? Okay. So anything, any other variation of communism, whether it be uh, Marxism, Leninism, uh, Stalinism, Trotskyism, you know, or whatever kind of other isms that, you know, fall under communism as, as the, you know, the original creation of the Jesuits, okay? And then the, the other side of the coin, the e- the eagle side of the coin, happens to be fascism, okay? Represented by the double-headed eagle uh, of uh, the coat of arms uh, that uh, Hitler was using, that the Jesuits use, okay? The, double, the double-headed eagle. Okay, and representative representative of, of the fascists, the, the the bundle of sticks with the axe head, the symbol of power uh, held by the temp- the temporal power of, of the Vatican. Isn't the okay. CIA logo is, a double-headed is, eagle too? That's or, correct. Or was that just a variation that I saw somebody same, messed same, up? Right? Same same symbol. Yeah. Same symbol. See. Uh, and uh well you you are now articulating very eloquently the the concept that I tried to get at back at a that earlier commenter on the chat board tonight again who was blaming Jews for everything and I brought up China to him I no, said No 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 I, no 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 Yeah I, I tried it's to point fact, out to him how did China one... adopt a Jewish philosophy without Jesuit help And now you're you're connecting the dots for me now thank you well, Lorenzo, Lorenzo Ricci was controlling China from his chair in the Vatican, okay? And I forgot who he was talking to. This is a recorded conversation, okay? Trans, uh, transcripted conversation where some count went to go see uh, uh, the, the Black Pope, Superior General of the Jesuits, Lorenzo Ricci. And and Richie was saying, gazing out the window, that, you know, from here, from my chair, pointing out east, you know, from here, I control China, you know. And from here, he controls every other domain, okay. That control is much more pervasive today because you have things called Vatican Concordats, okay. You know what Concordat is? No. 
And I'll explain all that in a minute. But uh, Vatican control, when you're talking about Mao Zedong, Mao Zedong was a Jesuit creation. How did that happen? Well, you ever heard of uh, Jesuit... You ever heard of Jesuit Pierre Teilhard de Chardin? No. Okay. Uh, he is regarded as the father of the New Age movement. Okay. And Father Teilhard de Chardin uh, was a very, how should I say, uh, very revolutionary uh, Jesuit with his writings and, and, and what he was uh how should, his his doctrines that he was writing about. He got banished. He got banished from France. He got banished from Paris, and uh, they sent them to China, uh, where he ran into a uh, uh, he ran, ran into a guy by the name of Mao Zedong, or Mao Zedong. Okay, before he took the name to Mao Zedong, and he was he was brought along basically. In, in Jesuit doctrine by Teilhard de Chardin and eventually came under the direction of missionaries also in China, which were part of the Skull and Bones network that was put into China through Yale. Okay. Now, if you want to Google something about uh, the background of uh, Mao and who controlled Mao, who created Mao and controlled Mao all these decades, okay, uh, controlled by the skull and bones. Just Google uh, Chairman Mao was a Yaley, Y-A-L-I-E. Chairman Mao was a Yaley. Just Google that and you'll see what you come up with. Or just Google Pierre Tel, uh, Telhard uh, de Chardin, T-E-I-L-H-A-R-D-D-E-C-H-A-R-D-I-N. Pierre Teilhard de Chardin and, and Mao Zedong or Mao Zedong and you'll see how uh, Mao Zedong was created, how Red China was created, the real role that uh, that uh, Kissinger and Nixon uh, and, and the Bush crime family played, okay? Bush crime family is big in this, by the way, okay? So, you know, there's there's a lot here. There's a lot to to, uh, to understand what really happened with with China, who created it, you know, and everybody's you know crying, you know, crying about what uh, what China is doing now and exercising all of their power. That you know, we're basically the ones that gave them the keys to all of that power through decades worth of treason. You know? I'm yeah. still here. I'm just half asleep. Yeah, we're we're probably digging into a few nitty well, de- nitty gritty I'm details here. I'm the East here. Coaster, remember? So it's really late here. It's like after eleven. <laughs> okay. So I'm zoning out more than anything, but I am listening to you guys. I just I'm not getting it all. I'll listen to it again. I usually do. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm. Well, I'm I appreciate, it. appreciate being on. And, uh, well, and I, I realized that having some some comments in the chat that were interesting, and I, I you know, I have people occasionally that come and they want to express themselves, and I 
generally let people express themselves doesn't mean I agree with everyone. I don't know everything. I'm not omniscient, which is the word for knowing everything. But I don't try to know everything. I try to learn something. If I don't find it valid later on, who the hell cares? Nobody cares what I think. I mean, I just talk about it. That's all I do. I never say I'm an expert on anything unless I'm absolutely positive I am an expert. I just say this is what I think. This is what I see. I learned this. I don't believe this. I do believe this. It's up to people to make up their own mind and go find out themselves. That's the way I look at it. And I don't think, you know... I don't think everybody's ever going to get completely to agreement. It's just not how it is. Yeah, but yeah. individuals, I, one of the things that I always say is strong individuals are way better than strong groups because a group has to have somebody telling them what to do. Basically, they're all like getting on the same page together. And I don't think that's always a good thing. I think it's stronger to have strong individuals that use their own brain and arrive at their own conclusions based on what they know because we all have different experiences in life. Um, And, you know, there's no way, unless we know these people personally or watch their behaviors, that we can have that much insight into any other person. So, you know what I mean? It's like... You see something you see something that you find not right with a person and you go find out why it is that this doesn't jibe with what they said or what they did or where they've been or, you know, their official story and someone else has a, a different view of that person because of where their life has been. And there'll be maybe certain aspects that are true. And the rest of it's a bunch of crap. We've seen that many yep. times. I've I've actually believed somebody, everything they had to say about a certain incident or a story they told or whatever, and find out later that it was all made up, you know, fictional totally. And it it's disappointing because obviously you can't trust them after that. But yeah, and it, well, I certainly uh, I make every effort to avoid anything like that, believe me. Yeah. I think we all try to, at least the people I run across in general, try to, um, they tell it as they see it. And I want them to do that. I don't want everybody to just say, oh, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Oh, yeah, tell me more about that. Because that's being passive. And we need more people doing, not just talking about it. Just doing stuff. Go out there and, you know, if somebody's a jerk and you know they're a jerk and they've lied, especially if there's somebody you know, even better, because they're not going to expect somebody they know to come right up to their face and say, what the heck was that crap you were telling people six months ago? And you knew it was crap. You know, way better if you know them already. Because they just, it, it shocks them. It's like, oh my gosh, what's happening here? Well, you lied. And now I can't trust you anymore, and I'm not happy about it. The world doesn't come yep. to an end when you tell the truth to someone's face. It does not come to an end. And more people should be doing it because that's where we I went have wrong, a, I in have my a opinion. Very low, I have a very low tolerance for liars. Oh, me too. Uh, I think it's become evident tonight that in just this conversation that history is painted with a very fine brush and you can't use a six-inch wide house painting brush to paint history. There's always a little detail no. 
that uh, no, that jumps out of the scene that uh, has some relevance, and that little fine detail might be the fulcrum that everything else pivots on. Well, it's it's been pixelated, okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's amazing you have, to me. You literally, how much you literally have to get down to the pixel level sometimes, historically yeah. speaking, to understand what the hell we're dealing with now. And in many, many cases, we're talking about centuries from the beginnings of what we are dealing with now that have that is coalescing in our lifetime by the hour. Okay. Yeah, I noticed that, that it's way faster than people think. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's, it's coalescing by the hour. So, That's how uh, I look at it. J- just yeah. key, key points I kind of live by is something uh, an old Southern Baptist preacher mentioned. He said, everybody's ignorant just on different topics, and you can be an expert on something and miss one little detail, which unfortunately makes you look like a fool in front of the wrong person. Uh, and I, I also avoid broad brushing using a wide house painting brush when you should be using a fine fine artist brush and something. Uh, but then again, we can't get buried in over... <laughs> we can't get buried in details that put everybody to sleep either. You have to pay attention to the whole general concept. But uh, looking at, at the blaming different groups, well, groups have a thing called defectors too, and there's also spies. And groups may generally act like such and such, but then you throw in the the defector or the spy factor, and that group suddenly isn't acting like they used to act. So things can ch- change on you, and you end up getting look sucker at, punched. Look at the uh, Occupy movement. Good example, in my opinion, because that yeah. was well, not about political parties. It was against Wall Street. Well, Occupy Wall Street... Guess who the big money bags was buying that? Yeah, I know there there were people that did stuff to, um, you know, influence George, or whatever. George, but George, George Soros. That's right. the money. That was the money. Well, here okay. here in Bangor, we had people who were camped out in the park down by the library, and those people were not George Soros people. Those people were actually doing Occupy. And they were talking about important stuff, and they were talking about the banks. These were people that were largely, I believe, homeless or living nearby the area. And we had a whole big thing going on here. We stopped in a few times to sit around the campfire and talk to people. It was not political here. A lot of places it was not political, and it was not funded by anybody. What they did was they co-opted that message, whether or not they started by paying off the uh, organizers or whatever, I'm not sure. But we had, because we know people in Maine, because we're connected over time, um, the day that they had the march here, there were people there from the labor light temple over in Brewer, which is like the union people and stuff, saying they were helping them organize for the march and stuff. And I knew some of the people. Some of them were were my former students. There were people that were related to me by marriage. Um, And I was like, why are you here? I mean, I just found it odd because they were labor organizer type people. And I said, why are you here? This isn't what, it's not that kind of thing. And they said, oh, they asked us to come and help them organize their 
their protest today or their march or whatever it was. And I said, well, that's kind of odd because Occupy Wall Street is not supposed to have organization. There are no leaders. It's just... Yeah, it's supposed to be spontaneous. Yeah. It was supposed and to be you know spontaneous. And you know this person said to me, who's related to me by marriage, I don't have a lot to say to this person these days, but at that particular time, things were fairly good, but I was surprised to see him there. And he goes, I like hierarchies. And I went, I bet you do, but that's not what it was for. Then I asked one of my former students who was very active and it actually went to New York to the encampment down there. She was she was on, this is so weird because it's about the Internet. She was on in some chat room talking about stuff, and I recognized her name because she was using her real name, and I said, by any chance, are you from Maine, from a school that has this as a mascot? Because I didn't want to give the town. And she goes, yes, like that. And I said, I used to be your librarian. Well, it was this funny thing. It was like this uh, reunion online in a chat room, you know. But I ran into her down there that day, too, and I said, you know, I'm, ha- I'm so proud of the stuff you're doing because you're active. You're out there doing stuff. You're circulating petitions, and you're getting out and being active. I don't even care what the politics are at that point. I'm just happy that these kids were doing things, you know. And she says to me, yeah. yeah. I said, well, why Why are these people here? I don't understand, right? She said, well, everything was so disorganized, and they were going to help us, so we let, we figured we'd let them do it. And I was like, what, what do you need for organization to get your butt up off the chair and walk down the street with a sign, <laughs> you know? And that day there were people, I've told it on here too, there were people that were around taking pictures of people's faces up close. Facial recognition is what I believe that was. They were identifying people. Absolutely. Absolutely. there was a guy that was standing in the group, and because I've worked with billions of people, parents, kids, know a lot of people in the area. I have always said I'm fairly well connected. Not as much now, but I was more. Um, this guy stood out like a sore thumb to me. He's standing there, and I'm like, who the heck is this guy? So I got my boyfriend to take a picture of him, and he didn't like that one bit. He moved and took his hat off. He he was standing there. He had his hat on, his sunglasses and stuff, and I looked at him, and I thought, this guy, is he's not here for the march. He's here to do something else. He's either, you know, some kind of spy or what, I don't know what he is. And he saw me looking at him, and he turned around and moved, took his hat off, he tried to change what he looked like, and I just moved around and I, I said to my boyfriend, will you get a picture of that guy because he's giving me the creep, something's wrong there. And um, he did. And later on I saw a video on YouTube of that march that day, and someday I'll put it on and people can look at it. That guy was so skilled that he moved around within that march and people never even saw him. They didn't even notice him. And I didn't notice him either when we were in the march itself. But in the video, I saw him, and I thought, my God, it was like he was invisible. He walked right through all the people, and they never even saw him. Pretty amazing. But he was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was, and he was doing, he was doing a full uh, reconnoiter. Okay. He was also he was also working with the photographer because they were near each other at the point where I saw him in the video where he came out between the the line of people walking and he was like weaving within them and they didn't even break their stride they didn't see him at all he and we weren't all that far off from where he was in the video we we were actually in the video later on but the woman was right there you could tell they were working together 
And uh, when she came at me with her camera, she had the big zoom lens thing. She was coming right at my face. I looked her right in the face, and I just turned and walked off. It's like, I know what you're up to. You know, I didn't let her take my picture. She probably got it some other time, but it was so obvious. It was intimidation. You know, anyway. Well, lots of well all, all, of, all, of, all of the organized uh, uh, Occupy Wall Street demonstrations that were organized in all of the cities, that was all all organized through New York City. Uh, when yeah, you did the, yeah. uh, when you uh, would do the uh, URL, who is on uh, Occupy Wall Occupy dot org, uh, it traces through May first dot org, spelled out you know first May first dot org, which is a uh, uh, it's a Marxist front in New York City. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy that runs it. But uh, these, you know, left-wing anarchists are coordinating through Mayfirst.org in New York City, and uh, or in uh, through RiseUp.net, which is uh, an anarchist uh, anonymous server in Seattle, and uh, all of these uh, left-wing anarchist protests are worldwide are using these servers okay and all of this anti uh, trump protest that is mostly funded uh by soros soros has declared war okay and uh, uh there's another organization that just came about uh, called uh, uh, uh democracyspring.org just Google democracyspring.org. They're associated with moveon.org, which is primarily Soros money, and uh, a number of others that are all left-wing Marxist organizations. And uh, uh, it's Soros money by the tens of millions. And uh, it's uh, going to try, uh, they're going to try and uh, uh, create anarchy uh, in Washington, D.C., about the middle of uh, next month. And I'm sure they're going to have demonstrations everywhere else as much as possible, uh, create as much turmoil, uh, similar or worse than what happened in Chicago, uh, which was Soros-funded, blamed on Bernie Sanders, but it was actually a Hillary Clinton operation. Uh, who put out the best information on that is Roger Stone. And uh, there's going to be a whole hell of a lot more of uh, what happened to Chicago uh, in the weeks to come here with, uh, you know, further further rallies for Trump. And certainly it's going to get, you know, real heated by the time uh, June rolls around and the weather starts getting real hot and sunny and dry. People get, you know, really, uh, really wound up. It's going to be a very long, hot summer, I do believe. Well, the religion, the uh, the political verbiage is really raising everybody's temper, even my own. But we just all got to realize that our elections are so cotton picking rigged. Well, our yeah, elections I mean, mean nothing. Uh, so, somebody's going to get appointed into office, and 
and our election is is really just a waste of time. Well, and then there's the question of, you know, is there going to be an event that's going to occur that's going to give, you know, supposed legitimate pretext for, you know, Emperor Obama to suspend the elections and declare himself, you know, well, that's Emperor not going to happen. Life. I've been hearing that story ever since Bush won, and it never seems. Yeah, to exactly. But people are uh, people are coming up with that again, and I don't think that that's going to happen. Yeah, it's just uh, too easy to there'll, avoid. There'll, there'll be there'll be there'll be a coup of one kind or another. It's way too yeah. easy for those in control to appoint another puppet from out of nowhere, and then we, Goyam, or whatever term you want to use us, us dummies out in the public, think that we elected him by accident, or no, it was just my dumb neighbor that voted for that guy, or whatever. And uh, they, they just keep getting away with one crime after another, and they've been doing it for 50-plus years. Uh, well, I... The last thing I got a parade of thumbs-up comments on at, on Facebook was when I made the remark that JFK acted like Republicans talk in that here's a guy, supposedly a Democrat, but he was pro-life. He wanted constitutional money. He wanted to clean the Nazis out of CIA. He actually had several good points to his administration. I'm well, sorry to say he couldn't keep his well, pants on, but... That can be said he about, issued, about several. Yeah, he issued Executive Order one 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 zero, creating you know uh, U.S. Treasury uh, silver-backed you know five yeah. five billion dollars. And my big and, point, uh, uh, he started he to get wanted, us out of wanted, uh, yeah. He started. Uh, this is crucial. Uh, uh, he started to get us out of Vietnam, and then as soon as he was exactly, killed, exactly. I'm, I'm well. I'm well aware. I'm well aware. Lyndon Johnson shoved us right back in. His secret society speech, okay? Who do yeah. you suppose that he was actually talking about? Exactly. So, other than who, his running well, who, around, he was a great president. Who do you think? Who do you think he was actually talking about as a group in his secret society speech? Uh, given his Catholic background, it had to have been the Jesuits he was talking about. Had That's to have been. correct. You are correct. Yeah. Uh, yep. And why his family stayed in with the Catholics is beyond me. Well, his was... father, Joe, was a Knight of Malta. His father, Joe, was actually the one that set up Knight of Malta control over Hollywood and put the Jews out there uh, again as cover, okay, well, uh, there we go with uh, good cop, bad cop, and they did a pretty good job of it because that's all we see in, they, is controlling Hollywood now is, is Jewish control. Well, Jack Valente, remember the name Jack Valente? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, he, guess what Jack Valente was? He was the press agent for Lyndon Johnson, right? Well, guess what Jack Valente was? Well, Screen Actors Guild president. Wh- he was which a Knight of Malta. Okay, well, he was a knight of Malta. That's news to me. Again, everybody's ignorant just on certain topics, and that was one of them. Thank you. Well, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Not saying that it's ignorant. It's just you know, that's a very, very I don't claim. I don't claim to know everything, and I appreciate people who who fill in my blind spots here, so yeah. I don't get 
get T-boned in the side by a drunk Mexican like like another Honda test car driver I know. Uh, th- yeah. That lady's driving. Uh, uh, well, hey, I'm I'm dragging too many personal stories in here. Uh, the the point is, yeah, we can all get blindsided, and, and it's little things like like not knowing that he happens to be a member of Knights of Malta. No, when I found out somebody who definitely knew Jay Leno, I've seen pictures of them together, and then I found out, oh, he's boasting about being a Knight, Knight of Malta member. I'm thinking, I wonder if that's why Jay Leno had such a long stint at NBC. <laughs> well, I wouldn't doubt that Leno himself is a Knight of Malta. I know that Leno is a Mason because I've seen uh, hand signs that uh, photos of, of Leno. Uh, he's definitely throwing Masonic hand signs. And uh, this is where I bring up again uh, Masonic hand grips. This is what I, what I brought up about uh, Billy Graham. Absolutely, definitely unadulterated fact that he was a uh, 33rd degree Mason, possibly higher, possibly higher. Well, and uh, you, don't, you, don't, you don't inadvertently have Masonic grips, okay? That's not something that's done just because it's, a, it, you know, it's an awkward way that somebody, you know, you know, stuck their hands together in a grip, okay? Masonic hand grip is a very purposeful thing when you look at the position of the thumb. Okay, it's unmistakable. You you cannot misconstrue yeah, I, it. I just anything see... other, anything other than a purposeful placement of the thumb. And I'll show you that. Uh, I'll show you some thumb. I'll show you some thumb photos of uh, the current pope and and Pope Benedict and a number of other people that are you know having you know. Uh, yeah, Masonic uh, Masonic uh, grip fest. Tim, that point is well taken. Where my point of con- contention here is, there's a bunch of clowns on the internet who show pictures of any kind of handshake imaginable and call it. Sure. Uh, that's obviously a Masonic handshake. This guy is definitely a Freemason. I'm thinking that's baloney. That's an ordinary handshake. Yeah. I, I accidentally give that the. Everybody I meet at a convention depends, or whatever. It depends on what it depends on what it is, and it's obviously based on discernment, and certainly based on discernment if you have superior knowledge of you know the subject. And so, uh, you know, just because somebody uh, just some, you know, you have to you know base it on base it on the source of of who is telling you it's a Masonic handshake hand grip. Yeah, I could show you some good photos between. Carry a nut, nut, nutty Yahoo, okay, and and well, uh, and all of the, all of the current generals and, and recent past generals all having their little you know Masonic knuckle fest you know with with each other. It's disgusting. Yeah, well, Kerry, of course, skull and bones and and Netanyahu, like you say, nutty Yahoo. Yeah, skull and bones. It's, it's all Masonic, you know. Knights of Columbus, all Masonic. Knights Knights of Malta, all Masonic, you know. It's all Masonic orders. Knights it's of all under Pythias. control of the Jesuits. Don't forget the Knights of Pythias. The Knight Templar? I don't know. The Knights of Malta of today are the Knights Templar. Uh, okay, I'll have to think on that one. I thought that was 
uh, let me toss a comment I learned from a a Spanish businessman I met last year. See what you think in this comment, uh, Tim. Uh, He said the uh, Swiss Guard uh, watches the Vatican to keep the Pope on a short leash. Well, rather, the, the, rather than pope. the pope controlling Swiss banking, no, the Swiss bankers control the pope. Now, what do you think of that observation? Well, the the Knights of Malta are are the the the, the banking dynasty of the, of the Vatican. Okay, out of the, the Vatican, Knights yeah. Templar Knights Templars created the banking system. That the planet uses to this day, okay. Yeah, and, and through all the centuries, in, in all these centuries later, the knights of uh, 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 of Malta are the modern day uh, Templars, and they are the ones that control the banking system that is under control of the Jesuits, which is the military intelligence arm of the Vatican. They're not an order of priests; it's a military order, okay. They run the intelligence apparatus of the Vatican. The military uh, sovereign order uh, of Malta is a military order also. And But, you know, they also have uh, diplomatic benefits, diplomatic immunity, okay? They are, you know, they, they are a further uh, enforcement arm of the Vatican, uh, diplomatically, uh, uh, militarily, uh, economically, uh, uh, banking, uh, education, you, you name it. I mean, they have their agents placed everywhere. Okay? The papal agents, all of different knighthoods under, under the Vatican, all of different orders of priests and nuns, all of different lay people, uh, you add this all up. These would be Vatican or papal agents or in direct employees. They number in the millions greater than the entire population of Jews on the planet. And these are just literally the agents of the Pope and the Vatican. Okay? Yeah, greater no. than the population of Jews on the planet. Now, Velam just made a comment. Uh, she said, uh, thought that Knights of Templar were always fighting the Pope, and I thought Knights Templar was the uh, the Friday the 13th uh, superstition. Uh, now I, it, well, which, Friday the 13th which, in year, year 1307 when... Uh, when uh, yeah, uh, when the Pope Jacques, had the... Jacques, 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 Jacques de la Molay was burned at the stake. Okay, right. That's when the Templars. That, that's when the Templars were were uh, were disbanded. But you know the remains of the Templars went underground. See, that brings up Roslyn Castle, Scotland. See. Uh. Yeah. Well. If I might jump in, um, Charles here. Uh, the. The, the the bigger point I, I think that is worthy of remembering is that the Ninth Templars were hatched by Rome, and they just became a faction that was uncontrollable, and so then they were put down. That's entirely different than the whole separate Protestant common law heritage 
that was out in northern Europe and England and everything that that has been at war with 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 Rome for centuries. So so the Knights Templar and that that um, uh, um, uh, Friday the Thirteenth uh, uh, house cleaning that they did that was all internal house cleaning cleaning in Rome's affairs. That wasn't a separate hostile uh, uh, warring uh, uh, battle between. Uh, fundamentally separate uh, um, uh, religious ideological belief systems. Okay, but now Tim seems to be saying that the Knights Templar are working in cahoots with the Knights of Malta. That, that would fit together to me because they, they do, they're, they're not the Knights Templar are not part uh, of Protestantism, as far as I can tell. Oh no. Well, no. Knight, Knights Templar Knights Templar is a Masonic degree. But Knights Templar, as an organization, is now the sovereign military of Malta. Okay, it's not working together with. It is. It, it, it is morphed into or surpassed the original Knights Templars. They are the Knights of Malta now. The modern, the modern, you know, modern descendant. You know, they've taken the mantle. Okay, I, I might have misspoke there. Yeah. Well, so, you know, they're they're literally they're literally the ones. In fact, I was getting ready to send something out today. I decided I'll send it out tomorrow morning. About, and this goes to a a current argument that's going back and forth here between uh, Donald Trump and Ted Cruz. Okay, and it has to do it has to do with Cruz attacking Trump's wife, and now Trump is saying, well, now I'm going to expose Ted Cruz's wife, who happens to be another whore for Goldman Sachs, okay, which everybody says, well, it's the Jews, it's the Jews. Well, guess who controls Goldman Sachs? Well, the names are Jewish. Well, it sounds Jewish, okay? But Goldman Sachs is controlled by the Jesuits at Boston College, controlling Goldman Sachs through uh, State Street Corporation in Boston, which uh, dates from 1792, by the way. State Street Corporation is controlled by the Jesuits at Boston College, and State Street uh, is the second largest fund after BlackRock, which has something in the order of eight and a half or nine trillion dollars in play, and then you have State Street Corporation has about four trillion dollars in play, and State Street controls Goldman Sachs and British Petroleum, and it's controlled by the Jesuits. Yeah, and I have okay. a flowchart that shows all of this, and then you have Peter Sutherland appointed as God's banker, okay, by uh, Ratzinger. He appoints Peter McDonough, not uh, Peter, Peter Sutherland, rather, uh, as, the, as the Vatican's banker. So Goldman Sachs is doing God's work, okay? Supposedly. That's, that's, literally, that's literally how it was said. Benedict... Announcing, you know, a, a appointment of Peter Sutherland as as the Vatican, you know, Vatican's banker, 
and uh, you know we're doing God's work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this was uh, a fault I saw in David Hawkins' argument uh, when he was attacking Trump, and Trump no doubt has faults. We all do. But David seems to be attacking him for the wrong reasons and bringing up accusations that I'm not really seeing much substance to. Uh, there is no substance, okay? He's making up another one of his great Miss Marple stories, okay? Well, here, here's the issue that that that, that hit me was uh, uh, him saying that oh, uh, Trump hails himself as a great businessman, but uh, he worked with real companies and. One of the companies he had high respect for was BP, and I'm thinking, BP? Look at this. How did that scumbag Tony Hayward get up to CEO of BP during the Gulf blowout? Tony Hayward is a jackass among jackasses. What's he doing running this big company that David Hawkins is saying is such a great business company? A company that makes the decision to drench the Gulf of Mexico and corrects it and kill all life in that whole geographic area is insane. Yeah. Well, why wasn't there's so many things that there's so many things that Hawkins comes up with that is just literally complete bullshit to be to be blunt. Okay. And he he, he makes them he he puts together things in his storyline. That is literally preposterous, okay? And especially what he's trying to smear Trump with. I've been following, somewhat following this because I can barely stand reading it. I can barely, I can hardly stand listening to Hawkins drone on and on and on, okay? I mean, you know, if you don't have sleeping pills, just listen to David Hawkins. Well, you know, David and Field did a pretty good job of uh, covering Circo's crimes. So I won't fault him on that, but uh, on on the Trump issue, uh, I'm, he's, I'm he's out waiting he's to hear some in, substance. He's not even in the ballpark. Not even in the ballpark. You know, he's blaming stuff that Trump has nothing to do with. I can assure you of that. Yeah. I was on a friend with, a, I was on the phone with a friend of mine uh, the other day who knows Trump. He's met Trump. Uh, he's retired NYPD detective. Uh, you can Google his name, my friend Jim Rothstein. You can Google yeah. his name, Jim Rothstein, Detective Jim Rothstein. Okay. And uh, he's actually the one who arrested Frank Sturgis, one of JFK's assassins. And he's probably the cleanest cop that ever existed, for God's sakes. And the stuff that Trump is getting smeared with uh, I sent them the crap that uh, Hawkins was was writing, and he sent me back a reply later on that day. And he says, "This is this is such a pile of disinformation bullshit," uh, you know. And I I talked to Jim, and he's he's just, you know, Trump would definitely not be responsible for what Hawkins is smearing him with. That Field McConnell signs his name to, you know. And then gets on the radio and, and and puts this bullshit out over air. I, I can't believe it. Well, nobody's perfect on everything, and I'll I'll credit Hawkins for what good he's done, and 
but I'll readily admit, yeah, I, I think he's just stumbled into a check hole right now, and, and now he's tracing a, uh, chasing a rabbit trail. Yeah, uh, you'll never hear talk, you'll never hear him talk about the Vatican or the, the Jesuits or the Knights or you know any of the the real organization uh, behind all of this that he puts out. You know all of this other stuff as diversion. You know, uh, oh. you know there's there's a lot of stuff in there that is absolutely true. I believe that you know everything that you know McConnell is writing about. Uh, you know. Uh, Interrupt, not interrupt the autopilot. That that's all factual. It's all true. You know, stick with all of that kind of information, okay? Yeah, well, and anything that that Field McConnell talks about about the Jesuits and the Vatican, well, who taught who taught all of that to Field McConnell in the first place? Okay. Yeah, I go back with Field yeah. McConnell going back to the beginning of 2007. That's when I first had started contact with Hawkins and McConnell. And so, uh, but I pretty much washed my hands uh, of, you know, able danger here over these past several months, uh, just getting into a, a tangle with Field. I, I'm I'm sick of Field McConnell's uh, overblown, always on afterburner ego, you know, tired of it. Well, there's times you just have to change channels for a while. Uh some of my favorite talk show hosts will go off on a tangent and I just can't stomach their topic and then you tune back a month later and well he may be back on some good stuff now and then uh, that tiff between Henry Macau and Jeff Rents was just unstomachable from both of them uh, well, I've but, caught Rents and lies so many times I've, well, I've confronted Rents directly um Misinformation, whether he was lied to, I can't determine whether he's really a liar or whether he's just been lied to. No, uh, I've got personal experience with Rents being a liar. I go back with uh, Rents about 10 years, too. Well, i got to bring up another controversial name that I have respect for him, but I'll be the first to admit the fella has been fed misinformation so many times it destroyed his credibility, and that's Ben Fulford. Because uh, he's a cokehead, he's a major cokehead. He's uh, a major cokehead. Oh yeah, I I have have no opinion on that. Um, well, I've got I've got some I've I've got the information on it. And, the reason and I, have I have some of it. Well, I have some of it in Rents' own words too, because of information that I found on on Fulford that I sent to Rents, and Rents is the one that first gave Fulford legs, you know, with all his ridiculous crap and his 100,000 ninjas, you know. Yeah, and that, that was that one of the lies up. that he unfortunately repeated. Uh, well, and he's he's changed his views on that. He, he's no longer well, guess who ninjas. Well, tra- guess, who, guess, who tra- guess who trained Fulford for three years in Tokyo? Uh, who? The Jesuits at Jesuit Sophia University in Tokyo. Okay, uh, was Ful- <laughs> was Fulford's dad Jesuit trained also? I don't know, but Fulford uh, credits his dad for a lot of his uh, international perspective. Yeah, well, 
lot of that international perspective. Well, okay, comes so, out so of, Fulford's another duff, uh, half and half, and you have uh, to use ab- you have ab- to use ab- discernment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it depends on what happened. It depends on how much he snorted on a particular day. I'm pretty sure. Okay, know, but uh, my financial background uh, is I was a licensed stockbroker myself for six years, and during that would be in the uh, the early '90s. And during those yep. year, years, uh, Forbes magazine was the most credible of all the financial publications out there. And I honestly don't remember reading an article written by Ben Fulford, but just the fact that he was working with one of the most respected financial organizations from a mainstream viewpoint, and I'm talking extremely naive mainstream viewpoint because I was very naive in those days, uh, at least he had credibility in the fa- just in the sense that Fulford understands conventional finance, what Wall Street is claimed to work on. Fulford understands that, unlike some people that don't know a bond from a stock. Uh, and, man, on the Internet, we get such ludicrous remarks, uh, well, like the gold dinar revaluation or whatever, from people that don't know squat about the economy, currencies, or anything. Well, it's uh, all in the same realm. The way all of this financial stuff is, is talked about, and, and you know, and, and some of this is mixed up with Fulford too. It's all this Nassara crap, and and and, and the uh, uh, the Leo Wanta twenty-seven and a half trillion dollar complete phony story. Okay, uh, you know, and all of that was being pushed on veterans today for a long time, and uh, you know, and I, I I used to be in contact with uh, Christopher Story. I'm the one who started warning Christopher Story to stay away from all of this Leo Wanta garbage, okay? I started with that seven, eight years ago, four or five years before Christopher Story ended up dead, see? Uh, And he was involved with all of this Leo Wanta crap. Complete hoax. I beg to differ. I have some very reliable sources there was a nugget of truth to the Leowanda story, but it really got embellished, and all you've encountered is the embellishment. Uh, well, there was an element of substance to it, but once the embellishment kicked in, yeah, the story ran wild, and that—that's where I jump to your side of the argument and say, well, yeah, the the multi-trillions, yeah, blown completely out of proportion. If there was any real money involved, okay, it was taken out of play, and I can tell you whose pockets it went in. It went into the Bush's pockets, okay, and their associates. If there oh, was right. any real money in play, the rest of the rest of it was all fiction. See? Yeah, I, I, I don't. The rest doubt of it that, was all fiction. I don't doubt that the Bushes were involved, uh, right, left, and side. The, the Bushes were. The Bushes were involved. This was one big, yeah. huge psyop, and and all of this uh, principality of Snake Hill that supposedly existed in 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 in, uh, in Melbourne, uh, Australia, complete fiction, never existed, no such thing. Okay, principality of Snake Hill that Wanta kept on, on on pushing, complete fiction, total fiction. See. And you yeah. know, I ta- I tangled with Wanta himself. Wanta took Christopher Story for thirty five thousand dollars. 
See? And 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 Christopher's story was starting to unravel, you know, some of the factual stuff that was driving this fraud, and it was obviously involving the Bush crime family, and it was involving elements of <clears throat> of uh, modern day, literally modern day Fourth Reich Nazis that came straight out of Project Paperclip. Okay. Well, if literally. Since- since the uh, now adding credibility to your side of the argument here, uh, since the Leo Wanta story started during the Reagan administration, that should make everybody obvious that George Bush Sr. was involved in it from the start. And that's absolutely where, now uh, you have to look at Reagan's administration, starting with the, with his governor's administration. Okay, guess what role that Reagan was playing when he, uh, when he was uh, 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 with MCA artists. Uh, this is right after World War II. This was uh, just after the inception, or I should say implementation of Project Paperclip. Reagan was appointed a relocation agent Four paperclip Nazis. Seriously. And not only that, is that in his administration, he brought in uh, uh, Otto von Bolschwing. Von Bolschwing was Adolf Eichmann's superior. And Reagan's secretary was Helene von Damme, who was a ardent Nazi who was directly under the c- control of Otto von Bolschwing. I can send you all this information when I, you know, we can communicate by email. I can well, send you all of this information. It's just absolutely mind-blowing. I, uh, Reagan. I, I'm a slow reader, so please don't in- inundate me with, with volumes of books here because you just won't get read. Uh, I'm already aware yeah. Uh, Reagan was a closet Catholic. Uh, he did photo ops at Bel Air Pres uh, here in Beverly Hills, implying that he was a Presbyterian, where, where in reality he surrounded himself with Jesuit business people. That's correct. What does that tell you? That's correct. He was made a Knight of Malta, you know? And, uh, and then having Bush Sr. as his vice president that brings in every sinister aspect of Skull and Bones and its own ties to Nazis and the Catholic Church uh, imaginable. Well, guess what uh, else Reagan did? Guess what else Reagan did on November 22nd, 1983? He signed a concordat with Pope John Paul II. Now, that's the 20th anniversary of... uh, of, uh, uh, JFK's, JFK's assassination. assassination. Yeah. And now that's, a, a Concordat, when... if you don't know what a Concordat is, let me tell you who else signed the Concordat with the Vatican. Okay. All right. Benito so that... Mussolini, Benito Mussolini, Adolf Hitler, Francisco yeah. Franco. Okay. And so that is when the U.S. reopened negotiations with the Vatican, right? 
we had no well, diplomatic no, association. Well, no, it's not reopened negotiations, but it, it, it installed a papal nuncio in Washington, D.C. on January 10th, 1984. Okay, well, I just know and, that diplomatic relations with the Vatican was cut off after Lincoln's assassination because four conspirators were found uh, that helped uh, John Wilkes Booth get into the uh, uh, the assassin's nest there, uh, and all four uh, uh, conspirators were found to be Jesuits, and that's when we cut off relationships with uh, with the Vatican. Well, and it's and then, it, but then it's it was also Jesuit. With Reagan. And it's all, yep, it's all that's correct, and you're correct, and it's also Jesuits uh, also working out of Montreal that helped the. Uh, 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 the, the assassination crew escaped. Okay. Yeah. And and uh, one, one of those one of those escapees. I'm trying to remember his name here. It just slipped the tip of my tongue here as I was trying to bring his name up. Uh, we're we're going over but, way too uh, many details he, today. <laughs> yeah. Go he, ahead. He, became, he became he became he became he became a Swiss guard. Okay. Boy. He was one. He was one. He was in the in the group of assassins for for Lincoln. I'll think of his name here in a second. Yeah, I just slipped it. But uh, uh, so this this is what's in, this is what's at work right now. Uh, that is the background, I believe, of what's you know uh, trying to prevent Trump from uh, gaining presidency here. He's saying too many things that are against, directly against uh, Vatican agenda, and like like just a few days ago. Here he's saying now, well, what, what do we really need NATO for? You can imagine, you can imagine what <laughs> what the generals and admirals thought about hearing that statement. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tim, this has been a powerful conversation. I just looked at the clock, and my gracious, we're we're at four and a half hours tonight. So. Out of diplomacy, wow. uh, we, we, my we my need... battery is beeping, and I've been telling them in the chat. I said this <laughs> may just suddenly cut off because my phone's been beeping for the last ten or fifteen minutes. And now I'm eating cereal. No, uh, out of gentleman's <laughs> diplomacy here, I think we need to yield the floor back to uh, to to the the only lady in the conversation this evening, and uh, and let her close sorry, off the sorry, show. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to exclude you, Ginger. <laughs> well, it's fine because I really don't know anything about any of that stuff. I mean, I read about it off and on, but it goes in one ear and out the other because I hear a secret society. I hear knights. I hear Masonic. And so all I do is I lump it all together. It's like, okay, there's people that we can't see that have agreements behind the scenes that are doing stuff. And I watch for the obvious signs of that, which I see all the time. Yeah, I want to thank Charles for bringing Tim on tonight. Uh, this yeah, has been a, a powerful bunch of two-cent opinions on top of each other, and uh, I think it's added up to more than enough to buy a cup of coffee. So. <laughs> yeah. My East Coast Not to mention a couple still, of donuts. Yeah. <laughs> my East Coast people are, I mean, my West Coast people are still wide awake, and I'm like half asleep, and it's like I've had enough. So I'm what? eating cereal. I'm eating Raisin Bran right now. I, I may be... I may be awake, but I'm still I'm hungry. I haven't eaten dinner yet, so time to go cook something. I'd share my cereal with you, but we haven't figured out how to do that yet. <laughs> no. Nope. Well, I'm about reach. I'm about ready to reach for a bowl of granola myself. Yep. <laughs> All right. Anyway, well, we uh, had um, we had a good evening, I think. 
Yeah, uh, maybe thanks, for having, thanks for having me on. I'm sure that uh, we'll have other occasions to talk about a lot of other things. Yeah. Uh, as things are changing in the world, we we need analysis like we've heard tonight on uh, on a lot of these stunts. Because uh, I'm I'm vulnerable. Uh, I, I'm I've learned of a few more weak points about Duff tonight, and uh, weak points in a lot of areas. So. Uh, well, if you can uh, if you can get your email address to me, I'll forward you some stuff on Duff that uh, will uh, inform you uh, a lot further. Okay. You, know, you just need to uh, need to pretty much stay away from Duff. You know, you can be familiar with you know what he's putting out there, but when you know enough, you'll know what kind of crap that he's putting out. It's yeah. uh, outright disinformation, misinformation. Complete made-up BS uh, and and a bunch of other uh, bluffery and buffoonery. You know, I don't yeah. I don't I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of respect for Duff. If you Excuse listen me? and read widely, though, you can pretty much tell when people are telling you stories because they'll go they'll say something and you just sit there and go, oh really? <laughs> All yeah. of a sudden you catch something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I've uh, I've dragged the show on way too long myself, so I'm gonna shut up and uh, and sign off for the night. So. Well, you don't think a five-hour show is like valuable? <laughs> what I do is if I go back to listen to them, I just do them in pieces. I don't try to do it all at once. I just listen to pieces of it, jump around. Hey, oh. hey guys, I posted Tim's email address in the chat window there. Thank you. Yeah, I presume that's okay with you, Tim. Yeah, that's all right. All right. Yeah, um, uh, you planning to show again next week, Ginger? Probably. I'm not. Okay, yeah, I, I noticed she didn't anymore. make one last week. I didn't know because I didn't have enough stuff. The focus okay. of my show is mostly, you know, to see the main connections with stuff that's going on elsewhere. It's yeah. diff- a little bit different than what we've been talking about tonight. It's not yeah, exactly yeah. like that. All right. Well, well, we'll be watching for your shows in the future here, and hopefully we'll be able to link up with you guys in the future here. All right. Thank thanks, Ginger. Thank you. Okay. Bonsoir. Bonsoir. Bonsoir, mon ami. All right. <laughs> well, good, na- good night from the West Coast, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Catch you next week. Buenas noches. Buenas noches. Okay. Good night. Good night. Okay. Good night. Okay, chickadees. That's what we say in Maine, my little chickadees. Everybody have a good night, a good week. And I wish you all well and hope everybody's doing good and wherever you are that you're, you know, happy. Happy as you can be in this chaotic time. I'm going to have to end the show quick because, like I said, my phone's going to go dead. So love you all. See you next time. Thanks for coming. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.